I do love that intro. Uh, good evening and welcome to another episode of the Endless Sales Podcast. Today is Friday, the 5th of January, and I would imagine that the majority of you guys are sluggishly getting back into routine after the festivities, but the Endless Sales have not missed a beat. We're back with another fun Friday episode. We've got myself uh, hosting tonight, which you've probably noticed by now, and we're joined by Stephen and Ross. Gents, how are you guys doing? I'm good, mate. Uh, I'm two days shy of going back to work now, uh, but I've still got a beer in my hand and I'm holding on for dear life to this holiday uh, and here to talk Celtic. Yeah, same here. I mean, I'm buzzing to be back on to get talking Celtic. I've actually had a shocker of a week, by the way. Started back on Tuesday to work. Wednesday, <coughs> I had to hand my car into the, the dealership because the clutch is gone. I need two new brakes. I need four new tyres. It's just been an absolute shambolic week from that front. But you know what? Couple of beers with you guys tonight. We'll chat Celtic. How about a crack? I'm looking forward to it. Mate, that is dreadful, dreadful luck. My condolences to you, yeah, especially <laughs> money for Christmas and stuff like that. Um, I, I hope you're okay. You're not in the in the, the, the red already. Um, aye, so to the well. viewers, welcome, um, welcome. Uh, I hope you're all doing well. We'll bring up the comments. Welcome every one of you. Um, as I said, it's probably not escaped your attention. I'm hosting tonight. So I just want to express my uh, my gratuity for the, the trust that's been invested in me by uh, the Endless Sales. They're probably wondering how tonight will go. Like, on balance, it's probably not the worst decision made today. I did read the news that the South African legal system have released the convicted murderer Oscar Pistorius. So probably not the worst decision made today. As long as I don't do anything wrong today, then I shouldn't be on... Uh, a shaky peg such as peg leg pistorius so we'll, get into- <laughs> we'll start off now i know that you guys do a super six i don't have the data i hope everyone's doing well um i hope everyone knows their place ross are you able to help us with that i well i forgot to send Stephen the graphic today so i'll just read it off my phone uh go old school um old i don't school, i can't remember when the last round was on i think it was maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, it might not have changed for the last time, but we'll go with it anyway. So Alistair Jack is at the top. He's usually at the top of the quiz, uh, the quiz nights, and he's he's doing well on this as well. He's in two hundred and forty-five points. He's closely followed by Kieran Gil. It's not saying his full name here. I can't even apologise. I think it's Galuli or Galugli. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Stephen Coltap who won it last year. Uh, he's he's climbed that table. Then we've got Anthony. Uh, done. We've got Mark Robertson in fifth, Joe Finley in sixth, Kevin Humpsey seven, Ryan Taylor eighth, James Bowie ninth, William Dobbin just holding on now for dear life to that number ten spot. And I'm just going to put, I'm just going to shoot Horn as in there. Franny and me are closely following. Well, I'm getting close to that top ten. It's going to happen. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> aye, that's it. Uh, so aye, there's another um, round on the morrow. Get your picks in uh, by three o'clock tomorrow. Uh, I'll be doing it and hopefully I'll get my two points and, and on the board. Over to you, Gavin. Excellent, excellent. Now, guys, we're going to be talking about a number of juicy topics tonight. Of course, <coughs> the, the derby aftermath and it is the meltdown. Um, there's been uh, some amusing statements. Uh, on top of that, we'll be talking about St. Mirren. Uh, we need to get into that and uh, a bunch of other things. Of course, you've got the... The, the January winter break right now with Celtic, but we'll try and uh, and um, give you some 
decent content um, to, to get through for tonight. Now, before we actually start on the Derby aftermath, I do want to kind of veer off course uh, briefly. Now, as part of me joining the Endless Sales, I'm getting to know you guys and getting to know your your, your, your quirks and your personalities. So I'd actually thought of a wee kind of quick fire um, oh, questions. Now, this is not, Stephen did actually say, Gavin, I'm going to come up with a quiz tonight. This is not that quiz. We'll do the quiz at the end. I've got 10 questions prepared at the end, and you will have a fair chance of, of showing up your knowledge in Celtic. But I've prepared, I've prepared a few questions. I'm going to um, pick on you tonight, Ross, just to, to, to find out. Uh, your, your your Celtic personality. So it's quick fire. I just want you to tell me the first thing that comes to mind, and then we'll uh -huh. move on to the next. And it's, it's <clears throat> nothing to be, you know like nervous about. Um, you, you'll get you'll get the gist of it. So without dithering, I'll just start off with that. So okay, mate. Aye. Aye, fine away, mate. Aye. Sounds ominous, doesn't it? Right, okay. <laughs> um, your first Celtic memory, please. Um, going to the, going to probably a game with my uncle Gary the one that springs to mind uh, is, and it's actually not a, a nice one, I went I went to a Celtic game at home to Dundee and we lost 1-0, I don't recall the year um, it was, I don't know if it was my first Celtic game but it was a really early one uh, and Jim Duffy scored a penalty and Dundee beat us 1-0 at Parkhead, it was in the days of Jerry Craney uh, guys like that playing for his Tommy Coyne Mike Galloway um, but it's not a nice memory, but it's the first memory that just popped into my head. But my earliest memories is getting taken to the games with my Uncle Gary, so that just automatically is what I go with. Good, good, honest answer, and certainly a typical memory of the early 90s for a Celtic fan. Um, <laughs> is there any one team that you favoured outside Celtic? And don't be a smart arse, don't say Celtic reserves. In Scotland? Anywhere in the world? Um, Arsenal. <clears throat> okay, man, okay. Childhood hero? Actually, uh, Thierry Henry. Okay. Which current Celt receives undue criticism? Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's as long as Marum, but uh, Greg Taylor. Greg Taylor, okay. You're, obviously, that was a wrong answer. Um, what's your, your all-time favourite formation? 4-3-3. Um, 4-3-3, okay. And on a scale of 1-10... to 10, how much do you agree that the current board run our club well? <laughs> that seven. 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 Oh. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, the one that got away transfer targets. The one that got away. Did you say? Yeah. Transfer targets. Um, Ivan Tony. Yeah, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Um, unsung hero? Current or all time? All time. Um, Phil O'Donnell. Okay. Most memorable European tie? Eh, uh, <laughs> Vista at home. Sorry, away, I mean. This is Tom Cawley. There it is. Uh, biggest waste of money? Raphael Scheidt. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ugliest Celtic shirt? Uh, 
can't hear anything. <laughs> um, I probably got a couple back there. I've got a pink one actually. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, Danny Hink. One historic Celtic player to complement our current team. Oh. Oh. Um. Jota. <laughs> <laughs> what a safe answer, by the way. <laughs> now, I do have more questions. If you want, we can park it right now and get back into it. Or. Stephen, I can ask you a few questions and then we can move I'll on. Ask me a few. I like this. Good I'm crack. loving this. That's quality. Good, good, good. I'm glad, I'm glad. Right, Stephen, your biggest football heartbreak? The Seville. Seville game. I think everyone's with Celtics that has to be involved with that. I remember sitting watching it with McGrath, who's in the comments tonight, and we were both in disbelief. And he used to smoke back then. And I think he went through about a 20-pack of silk cut. And Steve's still looking more that night, though. So it was, it's one of them ones that's... Uh, a sad memory, but again, the run to it was fantastic. I was I was still young back then, but I got really involved with it and watched every game in the build up to that. It was just heartbreaking losing that final. Uh, yeah, uh, that's the, that. the longest quick fire answer I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I probably smoking on that day actually because of the heartbreak. Now, Stephen, I want an honest question from you in this one. Don't sidestep it. Which one Rangers player did you fear playing against? Oh shit. I didn't like uh, playing against Pedro Mendes. I thought he was he was a, he was a quality footballer in the midfield. He scored a couple of goals against themselves. So probably, I mean, Pedro Mendes. He's the first one that came to my mind there. Mm, I think one elbow and it would send him to sleep. Um, Celtic mercenary. Who was here for the money? <coughs> Freddie Lundberg. Best free kick taker. Nakamura. Which Celtic manager would you trust with a budget? Gordon Strachan. Uh, yeah, that's the only answer for that. I totally agree. Um, <laughs> given the opportunity, should Celtic leave the Scottish League? A million percent. Okay. An unpopular Celtic opinion? Oh, God. Unpopular... Um, can we come back to that one? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> You're too scared. He doesn't want to lose any subs tonight. Um, best, youth, <laughs> best youth product in your lifetime? Uh, Karen Tierney. Mm-hmm. Neil Francis Lennon, hero or a villain? Absolute hero. Lads in my eyes. In a must-win game, do or die, your life, do you go for Bruni or Calmack in your team? Ah, oh, Gav. You've got to play the fixture. Who are they playing? <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'll go Carl Mack. Carl Mack. Yeah. Okay, which striker was the best finisher? Try not to say Larson. Mm-hmm. Best finisher. Moussa Dembele. Okay. Your favourite goal against Rangers? There's quite a few, to be fair. The one that comes into my mind is Nakamura again. Just the, the, the strike from about 30 yards out. The next question here was the best left-footed Celtic player you can use the same player if you wish. I'll go Thompson. 
Thompson. Okay. Uh, Ronnie Dyla, the right man, wrong time, or never good enough for Celtic? Right man, wrong time. Okay. Okay. I wonder which era would have suited Ronnie Dyla. That, that's what I was thinking at the end of that question. And final, final question. You did part one. If Liam Scales is a starter next season, would you be pissed off? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, that, that was good. I enjoyed that. Uh, enjoyed we did that. have one last question about an unpopular Celtic opinion. I would uh, I would be understanding if you, you wanted to plead the fifth. It's not, it's not. I can't think of anything. Can you think of anything, Ross? I, I genuinely can't uh, think of anything. Aye. Go for it. The Green Brigade are dicks. They're no dicks. Oh, God. That was quality, Gavin. That was quality, man. Thank you. I, I'll tell you my unpopular Celtic opinion. Um, uh, when we lost the 10 in a row, um, it, was, it was our own doing, our mismanagement from top to bottom, our own fault. Um, people, you don't need to give credit to Sevco, but we lost it. It was ours to lose, and um, people say that the pressure was all on us; it wasn't on them. I hate that attitude. You're entitled to it. I totally disagree with it. We shat the bed that season. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool. Excellent. Hey, thank you for participating, guys. Um, and yeah, we do have a quiz at the end of the show, so we're going to get into the the derby aftermath now. The, the media narrative has been, it's been sweet. Uh, Twitter has been red hot right now. I, I think we've probably wasted many, many hours looking at endless posts and threads about this. Uh, so I, I want to get what your take on it. Um, so it, it's really, really amusing because we've beat them twice this season. And the concurrent narrative um, is that the referees have followed uh, the letter of the law but they're still pissed off about it. Um, so mm-hmm. we've got a penalty that wasn't a penalty, which would never have ever been a penalty, but yet they're still going on about it. Now, they requested audio from the SFA. They've had their little meeting, and now they came out with a statement which appears to be contradictory to the conversation that took place between Rangers and, and uh, the SFA. And now Rangers have released a statement, the SFA have released a statement, and the SFA are, are, are actually saying that that they're calling Rangers out and they're also implying that their, their media partner, their Heart and Hand podcast, um, are, are uh, bringing, kind of almost bringing the, the game into disrepute in terms of holding up certain officials as potential hate <laughs> figures that they could well be abused um, if, this, if this narrative were to continue. Uh, so, Stephen, when it comes to your thoughts on this, what the fuck's going on with Rangers, man? They can't take it. It's the, the, the typical case of the, a kid throwing their toys out of the pram. Why do you keep laughing, Ross? You keep laughing I'm at me. Just, every just time just like they can't laugh because he said that they can't take it. I like that. That's exactly what the issue is. They can't take it. They want a penalty kick for an incident. There wouldn't be a penalty kick. And even if the handball was given, it still wouldn't have been a penalty kick. But they're still harping on like they should have a penalty kick in some shape or form, which is, is mind-boggling within itself, I think. Rangers as a club have performed absolutely disgracefully during this last week. And I think you're 100% right. The likes of Willie Collin, the likes of whoever was involved in the, the VAR decision and, and stuff like that, they've got families, they're human beings themselves. It should be up to the Rangers as a club to kind of calm this down and say it's been sorted <laughs> out. 
internally and privately, but it hasn't. It's been brought out to the the media, brought out to the public landscape. Statements here, statements there, and it's it's just shambolic. And you, you see figures like Chris Boyd again having digs at, at Celtic, at, saying we're the biggest conspiracy kings and and all that type of thing. And, and look, this this for me goes beyond a conspiracy. This for me goes beyond questioning an official. This is just borderline. I don't. I don't know what it is. It's. It, it is absolutely craziness. Some of the stuff you're reading, and it's every day something new is being pumped out. I've seen something today. A politician um, over in, in Scotland has got involved and sent an email to the SFA. I'm requesting whatever uh, guidance or requesting them to release something. Again, I don't know what what the ins and outs of it are, but the fact that this incident, which again isn't an incident, has continued for the last four or five days. Is, is quite uh, quite incredible, and and at the end of the day, look, we as a podcast and we as Celtic fans, we call out referees all the time. We say stuff about referees. We look at incidents and be like, why was that not given? But we move on from it. We don't spend hours <laughs> and hours and hours trolling through people's pod, uh, podcasts or trolling through people's clips and putting them on uh, for everyone to see and questioning the, the SFA. And look, we're not the biggest fans of the SFA. I, I do think they run the game shambolically. I, I'll never kind of waver from that opinion but just i mean because people are talking about the pope in 1982 <laughs> way back then saying this all started back then and they're talking about the 90s when, when celtic were in financial trouble apparently it started then and it's it's i don't know what's going on the meltdown has been incredible it's funny don't get me wrong it is funny seeing it and, and, and watching it but you think as a professional football club which they claim to be they would try and cut, calm their supporter base down because at the end of the day and I think you nailed it on the head, Gavin. The referees are human beings. And most 90% of the time, we do not agree with them in, in terms of on-field decisions. But very rarely does it leave that. Very rarely does it translate into, you know, threats and, and stuff like that. And it shouldn't be going that far. And I think the fact that they're continuing this narrative and trying to push it as hard as they are is just, it's, as a club, they should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. Excellent comments. Um, I can't agree anymore. Uh, Ross, Stephen does make the point that, that the SFA are, are run kind of shambolically, um, and that's that's nothing new. We've known that for quite a number of years. Um, despite their their uh, their shortcomings, what I do like about Celtic is whenever there have been injustices, we've never kind of we've never brooded on it for too long as a club. Um, obviously, fans fans have got long memories. Don't don't get me wrong about that. But as a club, you like to see certain things things have um, handled um, in a dignified manner. Now, the culture of the the, the club across the river are a different different um, breed right now. Can you see any consequences of them continuing with this these accusations? Um, as I said, Celtic, I don't think we would do that. But the the head honchos at Ibrox. They've really kind of lost it. I don't know if they're just trying to appease to their fans. I, I don't know what, what their, their, their end goal is. I don't know when <laughs> it's going to Do you think this can have any detrimental consequences on Scottish football? Um, I don't know whether it'll have detrimental consequences on Scottish football. In terms of if Rangers keep running with us, I don't think they'll be consequenced for it. I think they're just allowed... To an, ex to an extent, do what they want to do, they say what they want to say, and they're never really pulled up for it. And in terms of, like, <clears throat> you're talking about Celtic there, and they don't obviously run with it for as long as what Rangers have and what their fans have. 
I'm the first to say that I think there is bias against Celtic at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're looking at it and you're going, right, sometimes for a position of strength and when Celtic are winning or they've won the game, but there's been a wrong against them, I would like Celtic to be a bit more vocal. Not to the extent of what Rangers have done off the back of this decision, but the worst bit about it is, and everybody knows, even, excuse me, even Rangers themselves, they're complaining about a decision that in actual fact, whatever which way they got there, was the correct decision. So if, if as much as I want Celtic to be vocal when, I, when they feel or we feel we've been wronged, Rangers haven't been wronged here. And everybody's missing that point. They're ignoring the, the Turnbull situation where, in actual fact, Celtic, and I would say most people's opinion, were more wrong than Rangers were in the instance that they're talking about. They're, but they're concentrating on that incident and keeping everybody's attention on that. And like you've said, I, I feel like it's a bit of a deflection tactic to take away from the fact that, in actual fact, Celtic played that game uh, without Carter Vickers, they then lost what they Celtic probably perceive as their their replacement defender in Stephen Welsh. Whether he's next in line before uh, a rocky or that now, that's up for debate. But we then lost him, and we had to bring another defender on, and they still couldn't beat us. It's just deflecting away from it. It's fine. But initially, when that decision was made, right, I, I, I said right. <clears throat> it's 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 probably a penalty. It's not an absolute stone waller. It is subjective. But when you look at it, as much as Alistair Johnson's trying to like sort of he's trying to just usher I don't know who who was the Seema uh, it was. He was trying to sort of usher him and the ball and shield it. And he, it's a natural movement of what he's trying to do. But he does hit the ball and his hands out for the ball, right? So you can look at it and go, right, for me, if you want to be sort of fair, you can go, right, Willie Collum has got that decision wrong. He should be given a penalty there. But they're all ignoring, like, albeit at the time, right, the offside then came up about half an hour after the incident, right? But they're now ignoring the fact that initially it wasn't communicated properly. But it's come to light now that had Willie Collum given the penalty, it would have then as we all know went to the offside so it's a completely moot point Rangers know this, they're still complaining about the fact that it should have been a penalty now we all knew this I I, I can understand to an extent why um, Clement was incensed right, <coughs> at the end of the game we all know that right, but you move on to the Tuesday and Rangers concede a penalty, again it's a debatable one whether it's a penalty or not but they were on to break a world record so the penalty was always getting given because they're not oh, allowing yeah. that to happen. Uh, but Clement then, in his interview after the game, says, I don't know what a penalty is. Sort of paraphrasing, but I don't know what a penalty is anymore. That that one was more of a But by this point, we know that they wouldn't have got the penalty anyway. But he's still going with the narrative that we should have got a penalty. And I'm like, it, it's just, it's so frustrating. What's he saying? Shut up. He said you said it with the accent. Come on. He said what with the accent? On. Oh, Clement. It is Neil. <laughs> no, that's his name, Clement. What do you want me to say? Clement. <laughs> hey, but aye, it's, it's actually getting to the ludicrous stage. It's almost as bad as people try to shoehorn Liam Scales into left-back 
and sign McKenna and put him into centre back. But we'll maybe go to that at a later point. But, but aye, it's it's just absolutely ludicrous that they're still running with us when it, it wasn't a penalty and it was never going to be a penalty. And if Celtic were doing that, I would be wholly embarrassed. I think as well, you have to look at it in terms of, I mean, we spoke about Connor Goldson a lot, and most of it's been jibes and jokes and make a laugh that he's our second goalkeeper, but there was games last season, and even involving us, where he literally put his hands to his face and the, the stopped the ball hitting him, and it's still considered a handball, but you didn't see Celtic run about <laughs> making a big song and dance about it. Yeah, we were incensed at the time, but a couple of days go past, you move on, and because you, you know that's the norm with Scottish football, and I think uh, you're right, The Ross, club should have been more vocal on that, I, that situation 100%. for me. Right. I think you're, you're right to say Celtic do need to be more vocal but I think we're just again it's a sad part of reality we're coming used to the fact that we don't get the majority of the seasons that should go our way in Scottish football and you made, you made a great point the whole 74 games without a penalty kick the world record they were never ever going to allow that to happen because then again that's the, the whole world looking at that going how's that happened there's an evidence a, a back catalogue of what should have been penalty kicks against Rangers that's never been given and the fact that as you rightly say, maybe VAR didn't come to the right decision at the time on the penalty kick. But when but even Bobby Madden, like Bobby Madden, right, is coming out on Instagram saying they needed to check the attacking phase of play. And at that point, it would have been chalked off and it would have been uh, play on, so to speak. So the, the right decision was made. And it just baffles me that they, they can't see that and they can't be like, fair enough. The, the ref got the first call wrong, but at the end of the day, we wouldn't have got a penalty kick from it. It's almost like they want to go back and have this kind of bit of the match replayed so they can take the penalty kick. It's, it's, it's baffling. And the supporter base, look, again, I'm not, again, they support a different club, but the, the way they're getting on and they're kind of clinging on to this, and I think Gavin's right as well, that the narrative they're trying to push, the narrative they're trying to spin, and you have the likes of Chris Boyd pushing that in Sky Sports and saying the same things. And even on ref, watch Dermot Gallagher and all the ex-professional referees, we're basically saying that the right call was made on the day. And even that isn't good enough. And it's where does it end? And you, you made the point, could it could it be detrimental for Scottish football? In a way, it could, because I'll tell you one thing, if they get their wish and Willie Callum is banned from future uh, Rangers games, you know fine well who's running the game. You know fine well if, if they can pick referees, if they can pick and choose who referees th- their, their matches, that's a bad precedent to set, in, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and Neil's Neil Lennon's words it opens a, a bag of worms, so it's mm-hmm. a, definitely a dangerous precedent. Um, one thing that I do take heart from it is the fact that it shows weak leadership from the the hierarchy at Ibrox. I don't think a, a strong, assertive club would actually make those allegations publicly. Um, so I do actually take heart from that. We've got a lot of good comments um, from from the viewers tonight who. Um, are agreeing with what you guys have said. Um, Pam has said that the the Rangers are trying to run this league like the mob, for fuck's sake, trying to use intimidation tactics against honest referees. Pathetic. I totally, totally agree. Um, it, it's funny. It's funny. Um, at the same time, it, it can have worrying consequences, um, but I just hope that this kind of dies a death, um, despite the comedy va- uh, factor that it does produce. Um, so, can I ask you one other thing? Were you guys pissed off that the lines weren't drawn for the, the, the Turnbull penalty incident? Well, nothing was nothing was ever cleared up from that. That was just left. There, there was no, there, as Ross said, that was a penalty kick. In my opinion, Tavernier comes through the back of him. 
he looks to be onside from the TV angles and then it's silent and you, you don't hear anything. You don't hear what the decision should have been. And the mad thing, and that was more of a stonewall penalty than, than what they're coming for in the wrong incident, wrong decision anyway. Every, every single... Sorry, on you go. I, I'm just saying, I would have wanted to see the lines drawn because there was clear contact. <coughs> Tavernier, Tavernier wasn't goal, goal side of, of uh, Turnbull. He mm-hmm. did make the motion to knock him over. Turnbull went down. I was actually screaming at Turnbull at the game to get back up because you could see the referee wasn't going to give it. But in hindsight, you, you would like to see um, transparency with that. What was your thoughts, Ross? I just think that every single marshal of that full instant was handled wrong. Mm-hmm. To sorry from the the linesman flagging too early because you're supposed to let the the, the whole phase of play play out. The referee then um, blowing off the back of the linesman's flag. Wrong. You're supposed to let it play out. Um, to then the lines to then it not going to VAR to see if it was offside because there's a possible penalty. To then not drawing the lines and seeing that it wasn't offside. To then looking at the penalty and seeing that it was two hands in the back, and listen, I'll be honest with you, I'm looking at it, there's two hands in the back. It wasn't a severe push, but mm. if you feel two hands in your back and you're in the penalty area, you're going down. And enough ex-professionals who are pundits look at the instance week in week out, and they say if you feel a touch on your back, you're going to go down. It's the same when a player's trying to usher the ball out of the park and they get a touch on the back, they just fall down. So it's no different. For me, it's a penalty kick. It's not offside. Every single, as I say, morsel of that full incident was handled wrongly. And nobody's talking about that. I think the game nope. was at 2-1 at that point. Yep, yeah, I, we'll the way Celtic are with penalties, it, it might still have been 2-1, but there's a good <laughs> chance it would have been 3-1 and the game's put to bed. But instead, through partly a fault of our own, which... We handled the game poorly that last 10-15 minutes eh, or pretty much when they, down, when they went down to 10 men but that instant puts the game to bed and then it takes any sort of nervousness out of that last 10-15 minutes but instead we didn't get the penalty and then Rangers could have could have snatched a point and then what would we have, what would we have been talking about then, do you know what I mean? Totally agree mate. Um I guess one other thing before we move away from this was the alleged spitting incident by um, Balogun whenever he gets sent off. Um, Stephen, do you think that there was enough video evidence to actually merit an investigation with that? I mean, look, at the end of the day, I know the comments are saying about the one people speak about the spitting incident, and so do I, but <clears throat> I, I, I spoke to, to Ross about this as well, and actually Ross said something to me that kind of stuck in my mind. Yes, it does look like there's something that leaves the, the, the mouth area. But I, again, and there needs to be more evidence. The, the video clip that I, that I seen was, was slowed down. If there's a motion to even do that, or if it was spittle, it needs to be investigated. You can't have things like that go. We've seen too many times, like so Rand Kent assaulting Scott Brown, the Celtic physio being attacked, the, the Buckfast broken battle in Joe Hart's box. Numerous incidents that, that go just, just go unpunished. And I think we touched briefly on this on Monday's podcast as well. It's it's one of these issues, like, and if it's that that needs dealt with, that it has to 40, and there needs to be something seriously done about that, because we've seen with the likes of El Haz Juve and, and things like that before, it's it's not a nice thing. It's it's 
uh, it's probably one of the most disgusting things you could do to a fellow human being. And also around that area, there, there's kids and families and that. And look, players and players when they're walking off, especially in an environment as such as the Glasgow Derby, you're going to get grief. But you're you're not. You have to be a professional. You have to be able to cope in, in that type of hostile environment. And if he's spat, and he's sort of out big time. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess another thing about like strong leadership from a club that the video evidence is inconclusive, and it's kind of good that Celtic haven't reacted on that and pushed for an investigation, whereas Rangers um, have pushed for something which clearly um, that they're wrong about. Um, so. I guess I'll again take heart from that. But we'll draw a line under the sand for that and we'll move on to the uh, St Mirren game. So Celtic played St Mirren on Tuesday. Um, it has been notorious for a, a, a difficult away ground for Celtic. Um, we won 3-0, which was amazing. Um, and it, mm-hmm. from a, a, a supporter's perspective, we got two quick-fire goals uh, very, very early on. Um, so Maida uh, got a goal within, I think it was the first minute. Let me just have a look. Yeah, first minute dies in Maida, first minute, and then six minutes, Matt O'Reilly. Um, great way to kind of settle the nerves, and we kind of just <laughs> played our way into it. I know, I know that with Stephen Robinson, um, who loves playing against us with the opportunity. He relishes the opportunity of beating us. Um, he never got the opportunity uh, on Tuesday night. So I'm glad that he went home at a torn face midden. Um, and the good thing was, again, with the goals early on, we managed to kind of feel our way into the game. We managed to shut down the away crowd, silence them, and just play our football. <laughs> we came away without any injuries, as far as I'm aware. No suspensions, which is great. Um, there was a talking point about the, the, the red card for St Mirren, which we'll get into. Um, Ross, start with yourself. Uh, Dyson and Maida with the opening goal. First minute, you can't really ask for any more. Um, he, I, I can't actually remember the last time he scored for Celtic. Not saying that it's a long time, I just generally can't remember. Um, but mm. I, I think he's a player that whenever he's been playing on the right wing, and now Palmer's on the left, he's not really had... A great game for Celtic, but I'm glad that he's in amongst the goals as well. So, what was your thoughts of his contribution during the game and that goal itself? Um, well, last season I was a big advocate for um, Maeda playing in the left, and he, he was playing in the left, or sorry, Jota was playing in the right to accommodate Maeda, and I think that spoke volumes for him. Uh, for me, I think at the moment Maeda's playing on the right. Not so much to accommodate Palmer, but I don't think we. Listen, I like Palmer. I don't. I don't think we've got a a lot of great other options on that side. Um, so you could essentially say it to an extent that my is playing the right to accommodate Palmer because we don't have many other options out there. But listen, I don't like him on the right as much. Other people think he, he can play both left and right. I think he's more effective on the left. Helps Greg Taylor out a lot, but um, as you said, uh, he, he gets in amongst the goals. He's, he's, I still don't think he's fully up to speed, Maeda. Um, he had a long period out there, and then he's coming back into a position. I, I might be wrong. It, it might be he, he might just like playing on both sides, but I, I think for me, when they face it, he prefers playing in the left. But to get back in amongst the goals, I say it's it's a good confidence boost. And the, the goal itself, I thought, was absolutely brilliant. Um, he, he makes a great run. And listen, Cal McGregor, he picks up Midley Park. He plays it into um, Matt O'Reilly. And he turns. And he actually, he's got his back to Maeda. 
He doesn't. You just know that they're doing nothing training all the time. He doesn't need to look. He doesn't. He's not seen Maeda's run. He just knows Maeda's making that run, and he plays an inch perfect pass. And Maeda shows great desire to get in there and sort of tenacity to sort of shrug off the defender. And it was. It's a typical Maeda finish. It's not a sublime pass it into the corner. It's just a. I'm in. I've had a dig. Straight at the keeper, it's not placed, but it beats the keeper and it gets us off to a perfect start. We've been to, I was going to say Love Street there, it's not Love Street anymore. <laughs> uh, I actually can't remember the name of their stadium. But um, like you alluded to there, um, Gavin, last couple of times we've been there, uh, I might be wrong, but certainly in the last two or three times we've been there, we've lost the first goal and you're chasing your tails and we didn't want that off the back eh? obviously the big victory against Rangers and the fact that Rangers had played before us and already got the three points in the bag, you wanted to get off to that sort of start and it just it just calmed everything down and then we just were able to play our game there. But what I will say is we started the game really well and we played with a, a, lot, of, kind of a lot of energy and that's what we haven't been doing, certainly in the games that we lost previous to that um, early part of December. And that's what we need to... We need, Listen, I don't know who's going to come in over the January break. I don't know if MD will be in by the time we um, get back up and running again. But we, regardless if we sign anybody or not, we need to start games at that pace. And we need to press teams the way we were pressing, certainly in that first half, and try and take the game away from teams as early as we can. Because if we don't, they get into a shape and they just sit. And then Celtic find it really difficult to break teams down especially when you've got your wingers coming inside all the time and then you end up going across the front of the the, 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 four, the two banks of four. So that's how we need to start. And I was really pre- really pleased, and uh, both for the team and uh, Maeda. Aye. Um, good summarisation of the goal as well. What I liked about that goal specifically was that um, obviously we took advantage of their defensive frailties earlier on. It's, just like, it's almost like they, they never got going. And we played through the lines. Normally, a, a typical Celtic goal is playing out wide and we kind of telegraph our intentions. But McGregor fed O'Reilly. It was a through ball. And then O'Reilly, as you said, he barely had to look. And he played it through a ball, through ball into the box. So it wasn't really a ball out wide. Maida was already in the box. And it was through ball, through ball. Maida in the box. And he's got the option of hitting it square to Kyogo or going for the, the goal and he took advantage, he had the confidence, he had to kind of at the keeper a wee bit but it, it squirmed under the keeper's arm, great to see um, and great vision of course from Matt O'Reilly. Stephen, moving on to the next goal, again it's Matt O'Reilly who executes it very well, he shows a lot of composure in the box, one phrase I like to say was calm as a Hindu cow in the box, think about it. But I have no idea what it's funny. That's, that's too good for me, <laughs> too clever for me. <laughs> I, I actually got it from Fight Club it's not my own uh, witty uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt said it in Fight Club Cam is a hint <laughs> but the, the goal actually came from Palmer and Palmer you know I'll be honest I, I've said on this podcast that for me he was a bit of a grey man you know he could he could walk through a crowd and murder somebody and nobody would see him because 
you, you just don't know. You, you just don't see him. You know, he, he's a great man. But uh, in the past few games, the guy is certainly um, relishing uh, these that this consecutive run for the actual assist that he made. That was. I know we like to get carried away, but if Zidane did something like that, you would like, prop up and notice. The way that he took the ball, um, with the first touch he managed to do, he executed at a Cruyff turn. He, he took his marker out the game, and then he fed a ball to, to Matt O'Reilly. Matt O'Reilly kind of takes a touch. You thought he might, he might allow it to run across him. He takes a touch, maybe a wee bit heavier than intentioned, but it takes his defender out the game, and then he manages to slot it past the keeper. Beautiful move. Looked amazing on the eye, and we're two up within six minutes. Um, so I guess that's kind of a culmination of of the, the confidence, the grown confidence of um, Bernardo and O'Reilly, which we know the quality that he that he brings to us. I think it's the confidence of getting four starts in, in a row and building his relationships with his teammates around him that's really playing a key part in, in, in the games at the moment. And if I go back to the first goal, it was very reminiscent of when Rogers first came, when the wingers made the run from the wings into the box, like Sinclair would do it, Forrest would do it, and players were playing them inside passes. The photo already executed that pass great. And like you said, Gavin, although we had a smack to that uh, Trevor Carson, he wasn't he wasn't saving it. It was a good goal in the end, or whoever wasn't goal. I think it was Trevor Carson. But um, part the, the the second goal was I think was fantastic. Bernardo literally body rolled his defender in the box, had the composure to find O'Reilly, and O'Reilly. Again, took a touch and, and a good finish as well past the goalkeeper. And, and I just think, watching Bernardo at the moment, he's he's so elegant. We were all questioning, what does he do? What does he bring to the team? But I'll tell you something. He's brought assists and he's brought two goals over the last three games. And I think that's a fantastic return. And I'm, I'm really pleased for him in, in terms of what he's providing. And I, I, like you said, Gavin, watching it, it was so pleasing on the eye. And I'll use your phrase there. Not the Hindu cow one. I have no idea what it means, but I'll use the pleasing on the eye one. And he he just he, he just takes it. He backs in to the kind of backs into the the, the defender. Does the Cruyff turn? Has the composure not to freak out in the box, and then does finds finds already. And again, beautiful goal. And the two midfield players are most advanced, get involved in that, and it was excellent. And it was a, a great start. Big two goals up in, in six minutes. And St. Mirren are one of them teams. I would say probably outside of ourselves, and obviously the team across across the water. They're the most physical and most athletic in the league. I think Stephen Robson has them well drilled. And yeah, we all like to, to beat them and stuff like that, but you have to give credit where it's due sometimes. He has that team organised. He has a lot of fit players in it. He's got players who play international football as well for their countries, like Bacchus plays for Australia. He's a good player. Ryan Strain likes them. So yeah, they're a good athletic team. And, and, and coming off the back of a, a fantastic win against Rangers, you're always feeling that kind of lull or that kind of sense of, oh, no, we got to go again. Can they get the same momentum? Can they get the same energy? And like Ross said, we started that game on fire. It was, it was, it was excellent. The first ten minutes, especially, was, was powerful. That's a really good point. I, I remember whenever the the lineup was announced for the the, the Celtic and St. Mirren game, and I was thinking, have we made a wee mistake by not refreshing? I even thought maybe like uh, Anthony Rawson and ahead of Alistair Johnson just be a rest after after the rigors of the the, the Celtic derby. Um, some comments here for the the, the viewers. Um, for, for San Francisco under Andrew O'Reilly, wouldn't take that that touch. It was a beautiful second touch in his opinion. For Paul McFarlane, uh, it's like Stephen's round that comes and it goes and nobody notices. Stephen, take no notice of that. He's wrong. Um, Alistair, Jack, Alistair Jackson, he heard talk today of Mikey uh, Johnson going to Hearts as part of a deal for Shankland. I think that Hearts 
a Hearts fans would would probably crucify Mikey Johnson if he ever went to that side of Edinburgh. Um, no, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sanction that move for Mikey Johnson just out of his own uh, personal safety. Um, <laughs> see, talking about Bernardo though. Um, I told you my, my earlier impressions of him. We're getting to know more about him, and let, let, let's obviously be be frank. He's only twenty one years old. Um, whenever you come over to, I think Jota was probably the outlier of that in terms of like, Jota, <coughs> similar age Portuguese coming over to uh, a foreign climate. But Jota was an extrovert. He was just brimming with confidence. He was just he was a showman. Bernardo, you would imagine, is maybe a little bit more introverted. And um, maybe that that's why it's kind of taken him a little bit longer uh, to, to show what his worth is. Um, I, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing of Bernardo. But, of course, one, one swallow doesn't make a summer. I think we need to judge it at the end of this season to see exactly how much of an impact Bernardo is making. You don't want to... It's too small of a sample size for us to get carried away and say, let's pay X amount of million. I think I read the report. Um, it might be six million, perhaps, um, that that we might have to pay. I don't know if that's one point five we've already paid, and that's deducted from the overall price. I'm not too sure. Um, Ross, on these early impressions, are you getting carried away with Bernardo, or are you are you assertive enough in what you see right now? Do you think he is a player that we need next season if potentially O'Reilly does leave? Um, well. A lot of people, I've heard a lot of people saying they don't know what Bernardo does. Be- before this sort of wee cluster of really good games that he's had, and I've always thought he was a decent player. He keeps the ball moving. Um, he, it's nothing fancy. Like you said, I thought that was an absolutely brilliant point. I, was, I wasn't going to use the same words, but I was thinking about it when you were saying it, that Jota is an extrovert, and I don't know if so much if um, Bernardo is an introvert, but Jot is in a position in the park where you, you get to go and express yourself that bit more. He's a more skillful player. And that's, I know, I get that's absolutely what you mean when you say that. Uh, and Bernardo, he, he's took a bit more time to grow into the role. And that that obviously comes along with the fact that he's not had a run of games like Stephen alluded to. Um, and he's getting that now. My only thing is that. <clears throat> Now that Hattie's obviously back on a uh, back fit, I think you would probably still have to say that Hattie, uh, the midfield three, McGregor, Hattie, and O'Reilly is probably our first choice. I've advocated for a long time for a Wata getting into the team, and I, I like a Wata. I, I think he allows Cal McGregor to push up one, and then he can sort of do a bit more in the, the top end of the field. But then at the same time, I think when, certainly in that game eh, the other night, I've seen it probably more than ever, eh, was that with Bernardo in the team, I think, I'm not saying we're playing like eh, Ange Postacoglu's team, but certainly at midfield three, they were all having shots at sort of going. Carl McGregor was still... He was still playing a wee bit deeper than the rest of the guys because he likes to pick the ball up at the edge of the box and sort of dictate the play. But there was a, there was that. I, I felt that there was more, what's the word, sort of alternation between the players and the, the, the role. Say that, it wasn't like you're the eight, you're the six or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Um, but 
I, for me, I, I wouldn't say right now that we have to pay six million pound for Bernardo. It's a big fee. It's a really big fee when you when you take into account that we got her for uh, we got her for we got Hatati for um, I think it was the reason he two two and a half million something like that. <laughs> Stephen's laughing because I don't know him. <laughs> hey, hey, come on. <laughs> no, no, but um, we you take into account we got Hatati for sort of two to two and a half million. I think it was, but listen, Bernardo's twenty one, like you said. It's it's still a young age, but for me, he is really coming onto a game. I, I felt he was a decent player anyway, but he's he's came on to another level again in the last few weeks. We've got this break. It remains to be seen whether he's going to get that run of games again if Atati stays fit. But certainly I would be comfortable with alternating that midfield three and, and not just saying it's a rigid like boom, it's Atati, O'Reilly, and uh, McGregor, as much as you would probably say on paper, that still edges the best front three. But um, I time will tell on Bernardo. But actually, I was watching Monday's Monday's podcast today, and I think it was um, James that had made the the point about obviously if O'Reilly does go, then mm-hmm. Bernardo is sort of coming to the fore where he could be that ready made, not ready made replacement, but that replacement for. O'Reilly, I think it was James. I might be misquoting him there, but I hope I'm not. But um, I, I agreed with that, and I, I never really thought about it. But it does make sense that O'Reilly. I don't think he's going to leave in this window, but I think we all have to resign ourselves if he keeps playing to the level he's playing at. There'll be suitors in for him who play in not bigger clubs, but bigger and better leagues than we play in. And you have to resign ourselves to that as much as we don't want to. Bernardo, it's still up for discussion whether he can be the guy to come in and be that replacement. But he's not doing himself any harm at the minute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hi. Um, I do agree with what you're saying, and there's a lot of good points that you raise. Stephen, uh, we're now 50 minutes in, and it's probably time for a cliche. Um, we've got our midfielders back, all fully fit, seemingly. So it's a good headache to have for a manager. Um, so we're talking about Hitati. Um, we know mm-hmm. what Hitati has brought us during his, his tenure at Celtic. I would actually contest that Hitati might not have been his his brilliant self for almost close to 12 months now. I don't think he's really got started this season. And whenever he came back at the end of his injury last season... I felt he struggled. I think it might have been maybe 12 months is a wee bit of a stretch, but I remember the semi-final at Hamden against the Rotten Mob. Atati was rushed back from injury. He was probably brought off at the hour mark um, when he was he was uh, flagging, he was huffing and puffing. I just felt that um, he was rushed back from injury too long. And I felt even since then, he's really struggled to regain his form. But we know Hitati. Hitati is a proper, proper entertainer. Let's not let's not get it twisted here. When Hitati is on, on, on form, he is he, he gets bombs off the seats, you know. Um, brilliant to watch. He's got that kind of low centre of gravity. He's able to take the ball on a half turn um, faster than anybody in our team. And he's able to just drive through this. Uh, this acceleration burst past people um, into space and the only kind of failing I think is perhaps sometimes his decision making whenever he does mm-hmm. engineer this space for him uh, but 
as I said, you know, he's back from injury, away to the, the Asian Cup, but he'll come back and hopefully we'll be able to enjoy um, his uh, his availability for the rest of the season. So we've got him, we've got Bernardo who's coming on to again. The, 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 the differences between the two is quite intriguing because you've got the physical nature of Bernardo. He's been um, preferred in the Champions League games. I felt that mm-hmm. Hattati this season has not done himself any any favours at all in the Champions League. Uh, I think he's been making these no-look passes uh, this season, um, giving the ball away, uh, really, I really like schoolboy decision-making that, he, that he's made at the games where we want him to thrive upon. He's not delivered. Mm-hmm. And you, you saw that at the start of the season when he was fit, but Turnbull got the jersey for the opening game. Um Turnbull's not been able to take it. Hattati's been given it, but he's in and out injury. Bernardo's doing well. Is off the ball work. Bernardo, again, very, very good. Pressing is brilliant. Not the same as Hattati. Hattati can't do that. But on the eye, Hattati looks brilliant. He might get that 20 million move down south. Bernardo might not engineer that for maybe a couple more seasons. You see the benefits of both from a a pragmatism point of view, Bernardo's your man, but from an entertainment point of view, Atati is your guy. Again, still early days with Bernardo, but where do you see their futures lying at Celtic? Well, at the at this current moment, Bernardo has a jersey, and for me, until he has a dip performance to stay that way. I know we're all buzzing and we're happy that Rio Atate's back, and Ross makes a great point. The midfield trio of O'Reilly, Atate, and Kalmak of previous seasons and previous history is the best to go by and the best quality we have but Bernardo's shown what he's capable of I think as well adding as I said assistant goals to his game the defensive qualities his press and I think he's up there with the highest pressures in the team I've seen like a, a stat thing him O'Reilly and McGregor were above 10 pressures in, in, in the game against St Mirren and I think that was the highest out of all players involved and if you have a midfield free that's functioning and again what Ross said and they're alternating between positions and they're, they're moving forward together, they're, they're going back together. To, it, it's great to watch, and, and that is pleasing on the eye. And I think what, if I go back to the comment here, the, the Pork Chop Express, what a name. Bernardo and Matt <laughs> complement each other, both similar players on the left, one on the right, and they play off each other well as well now. Wouldn't say he's Matt's replacement, but maybe his partner. And that's the way I'm looking at it. But I do get that he could be his replacement in time. Obviously, we can't be naive to think that already he's not attracting interest. But in terms of Atate, we know the indifference that he had at the start when Rodgers came in. Rodgers made it clear to him that he wants to play a different role in the team. And I think Rio took a wee while to adapt to that. Before he got his injury, he was coming on to the game, his game. He was doing a lot of what Rodgers was asking him to do. And I think Brendan even said that in a few press conferences. And then, unfortunately, he suffered that injury. And we've seen what it meant to him, by the way, when he came back on, on the on the pitch against St Mirren, he was kind of emotional at the end of the game. Obviously, that a rumour saying as he leaving and all that kind of stuff. It's quite funny reading that. But uh, Rogers comes out and says it's because he was emotional and being back on the pitch after a long injury. I, I just think the, the way this team has been going over the last maybe three years, from Postal Caldwell to now, whoever has the form and playing well in the jersey keeps it until such times when it needs to change. That's not me again discounting what Atate brings to the team. And to be fair, Gavin, you're right. Atate's the, the, the eye pleaser, isn't he? He's the one who's can take the ball in the half turn. He, he's quick. He's fast. He can link up with him. He can link up play. He's played as a striker before. He's he's a wonderful strike on him. But then on the other hand, Bernardo's tall. He's physical. He gets stuck in, and he can score goals and he's assisting. So it's a good battle to have. And I think as well, what we're loving about Bernardo, he's doing what we probably expected home to come in and do to take that chance and to make that number ten his own. But he didn't do it, even though he shows potential. I do agree. 
Turnbull, I think he is flogging a dead horse with him now. Um, Iwata, unfortunately, got injured, but, but when he was in the team, he played well. And I do think we should keep him around because he's a different option to have. And me and Ross always talk about maybe him and McGregor as a, a two sixes in the Champions League. I think that would be a great option. But it's all about form for me. And I think we've done it too many times with Atate, too many times with the likes of Abada. We, we rushed them back and then we wonder why they get injured two to three weeks later because they're getting <laughs> ushered in for food games and they fill a void. And it shouldn't be like that. If we can bring Atate back in, in increments, and I think the Asian Cup will be a blessing for us as a club. Because that can get his fitness up. He's going to be training every day with, with Japan. He's going to get minutes. And then coming back after the winter break, he should be fit and firing to go. And obviously, depending on his form in the Asian Cup, if he has a brilliant Asian Cup, then if you put him in against Bucky Fissel, like, who might have said anything? But I think Bernardo, on form, he should keep that jersey. Otherwise, again, if you're if you're taking him out, putting the tattoo in, what does that say to Bernardo? Do you know what I mean? So you have to keep it like that, I think, just for the time being. Yeah, yeah, but Probably. but drop scales and point of okay. <laughs> Sorry, I let just it go. Let it. You have it, done. I made a great point there. I was on a roll, was, and you're done now. That was brilliant, kid. I'm just Frick. sorry. I couldn't resist you, that. If you will, when Hatati's back, fit and firing, and as a run of games, he's up there with Calmac yeah. as top two best players at the club, in my opinion. I, I would say that the midfield battle is probably the most intriguing right now in terms of selection for Celtic. At centre-back, it's more of a, a worrying um, selection uh, because people are getting injured and things like that. You don't know people's true potential, such as Norovsky, Lagerbielka. People that we brought in are not turning out to be what we had hoped for. Um, centre-back is a totally different kettle of fish from the, 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 the central midfield position. Um, but it's good in centre midfield. It's good to have those kind of problems, and hopefully, hopefully you mentioned Thiago Home. Out of all the YouTube um, clips, I, I thought Thiago Home looked one of the most talented recruits that we brought in. Yeah, um, he played over what a hundred games for was a Falaranga in, in Norway. I think that was his club. Do I mean? But yeah, yeah, for a young man to play in that position to receive the ball from defence and turn around, and what he was doing and his. As a domestic league was like taking it around people, sprinting past people, people, and then distributing the ball. Um, obviously, Quan's YouTube clips were, were, were fantastic, but home <laughs> took, took second best for that. I had high hopes for for um, for uh, for home, but maybe next season is going to be his year. We'll yeah. find it more. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then taking one for that. Now, following on for that game for, for St. Mirren, we've got them. Um, the, the sending off. Um, I was watching it with the wife, and the wife was going crazy whenever Joe Hart get leveled on the head. I don't think that the boy actually drew blood from him, but I think the referee, correct me if I'm wrong, did the referee give a yellow and then VAR yeah. called him over, looked at it, <coughs> and said, oh, red. Funnily enough, Chris Sutton was actually talking about it in commentary, saying you're entitled to go for it. Whether you are entitled to go for it or not. If it goes wrong, that could be a life-changing moment. You know what I mean? But sorry, I know that that's pure dramatic. I'm thinking back to, to Johnny Thompson and Sam English about a hundred odd years ago when when uh, when a, a fatality happened. But whenever you connect with somebody's head, you know it could go horribly, horribly wrong. Now you might not wipe it out of football, but what you can do is red card someone whenever you do make contact, especially mm-hmm. with a bit of force, which he did. Now, there was no malice. I think we can all probably agree to that. There was no malice. He was going for the ball, but 
he kicked Joe Hart in the head and brilliantly Joe Hart never egged it. You know, he, he went down and, and whenever he realised he was okay, he, he stood back up again. He never over-egged it. Our, our own players never dramatised the event. We let the referee handle it, which he should. Uh, he handled it the right way. I think the right decision was made. Ross, <coughs> any comment on that at all? Um, no, I, I have not. I, I look at it and I'm like, the, the guy is entitled to go for the ball, right? He's on the stretch. He's not going to get there with his head. So, it, it it's no there's no malice in it. Like you say, it's it's an an instinct when you're playing on the pitch. You're trying to score a goal. He's a striker. He sees the ball coming across. He's only got eyes for the ball, and the only way he can get to the ball is by outstretching a leg and trying to get a touch on it to take it past the keeper. Who you have to say he's not looking at him. But he's going to assume that Joe Hart is coming out. But he doesn't. He, he, he doesn't try and connect with Joe Hart's head. He tries to connect with the ball. Joe Hart gets there first. He misses the ball by inches, and it's it's not a kick to the head. It's a coming together where he connects with his head. His foot connects with his head. It doesn't look nice. The referee made the decision on the pitch, and if he'd gave a yellow card, I honestly wouldn't have had a problem with it. I'd have, I'd have went fair enough. But we've got VAR now, and VAR is there. Whatever way you look at it, he's seen it again. He's been shown a still. Now, it's not anything. I'm not comparing it to the Maeda sending off at um, Atletico Madrid. But again, that was a still. It makes it look a lot worse. It was a lot worse than Maeda's. But there's no malice in it. But when you see it again, the still, in this day and age, you're going to get a red card for that, whether you meant it or not. It's just the way it is. But if there'd been no VAR in place and the referee had given a yellow card, I'd, I, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. But a red, it was worthy a red card, I have to say. But if a yellow was given, we move on and we go on with the game. There was no malice in it. But it's a different age now. Yeah. Stephen, I think there's probably a, a general consensus that everybody would agree with what Ross has said. Um, anything further to offer? Look, it was another of the law. Now it was, it was a red card, and look, whether the player meant it or not, which he didn't. I think we can all see that in his reaction after it as well. And I think Joe Hart, he done the right thing. He didn't over dramatize it like you would see with other teams, you know, who in the league rolling around clutching at straws. It was a red card. It was studs to the face at the end of the day. It wasn't like Joe Hart's head went down to his foot. His foot went up to Joe Hart's head. It was above waist height. There was force in it because he was going for the ball. And you have to think of these outcomes as well. Gavin, you kind of referenced it could have ended badly. It could have been an injury. It could have been. So, I mean, and the red card was justified. But at the same time, a yellow card would have really huffed and moaned about it. No, because at the end of the day, we're still winning that game. But yeah, the, the red card for me was, was the correct call. And we didn't release a statement. And I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you remember, of course, um, uh, Turnbull gets sent off last season for exactly the same thing. Although I think Turnbull's kick was more of a, a Jean-Claude Van Damme kind of aerial fly kick, if you remember that one. Yeah, I think I, I do remember that. that. Yeah. Oh, yes, I think I do. Is that the one where he was like mid-air type thing? Yeah, Bruce yeah. Lee. Bruce Lee um, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, 
That remains to be totally random. Um, Stephen, I know that you you don't advocate product placement on a podcast, but what type of beer is it that you're drinking? I, I've seen that label. Can you just show it to the viewers, please? He's done that. He's done me a cracker here, haven't he? <laughs> Cruz Campo, and it's it's from Zavia. Like, so there we go. Why are you laughing? What every time I'm speaking? Because he's going to be up like a capper the now, and he knows he is. <laughs> Go on, Gavin. Gavin, bring him in. Ask him what he's drinking. I'm sitting back. I'm sitting back. Oh, before I move on, is that quite a fruity beer, Stephen? Oh, wow. <laughs> it's not a fruity beer. It's nice. It's got a bit of oomph to it. So it does. It's lovely. And, Ross, we did mention uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, what beer is it that you're drinking tonight? Uh, well, originally I had a spatting out my machine, but my brother-in-law left a couple of cans, and to save me going pouring another pint, I brought the cures that everybody slags for up. last week. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually not as bad. It, it's quite a refreshing uh, drink, actually. It's, it's a good drink for drinking your slippers, put it that way. Must have been on sale. Must have been on sale. Aye, aye. Good stuff, good stuff. Right, OK, uh, moving on just for the remainder of the game. Um Bernardo, we've spoken about him at length already, but he got uh, another assist and it was for, for Greg Taylor. Greg Taylor's had an interesting season. I know that, Ross, you, you, I think you gave an incorrect answer on the quiz earlier on and you said that um, he doesn't... Uh, he, he's a current sale who receives undue criticism. You said Greg Taylor. Now, Greg Taylor did get his goal, came if I'm wrong. First goal of the season, Greg Taylor? Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. He, got, he got a few last season. Um, I think his best goal for Celtic um, was uh, the the winner uh, against Hearts away. Loved that game, the four three game. That was the yeah. first Celtic domestic game with VAR. Memorable game. However, fast forward to to Tuesday there. Uh, Greg Taylor, um, he's doing his as usual, which we did see under Ange Postecoglou. Uh, moving him forward um, into the, the opposition half, Bernardo, a cute little chip, uh, dinked it over the defence, and Greg Taylor. Confidence. He takes it first time. Side foot volley past the keeper. Beautiful goal. Getting into the right position. You want to see your forwards do that. Mm-hmm. So no, no, no complaints there. Um, Stephen, what's your thoughts on Greg Taylor? Pardon me. What's your thoughts on Greg Taylor so far this season? Um, he doesn't have meaningful competition. Probably apart from Joe Hart. Probably the only other. Uh, individual in the Celtic team who doesn't have meaningful competition. Greg Taylor, what's your thoughts? From first two two seasons under Ange, brilliant, looked rejuvenated. Now, is he going back to the player that we we? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not even going to finish that. What's your thoughts on Greg Taylor? Well, I guess a, a good point here. <clears throat> Taylor regularly gets more passes into the final third than any of the mids. Again, he's effective when he plays that. And for the fullback role, there's no question about it. I think that's his natural ability. He used to be a midfielder. You can see that in him. He's good at spraying a pass. He's good at finding the wide men, like you said, Gavin, at the start of the podcast, like a typical Celtic goal would come from. <laughs> but the traditional fullback role that Rogers wants, and I think that's pretty clear, he's not good enough for it. And I think Rogers has done the right thing by compromise, by getting the best out of what he has. And Greg Taylor is the best at that in the fullback position. And in regards to competition, he has none. Burnaby is drinking Coors or Ross. Um, there's there's no one else. There, there's no one else there um, to, to challenge him. Um, 
frame. The young player came in a lot of hype about him. He's back in the in the youth squad, so I don't think he's going to get a look in. So for me, it's imperative that we sign a left back to challenge Taylor or better that position and get a better quality player in. There's rumours about obviously different people coming in that which we'll come on to. But look, I'm not Greg Taylor's biggest fan. I never have been. I do appreciate his, his goal was fantastic. Again, it was hit straight at the goalkeeper, but the power took it past him. And I think we have to take a, a time to appreciate the the pass from Bernardo. I thought it was fantastic over the top, the, the Greg Taylor to find that run. And he he followed it in the first time. So brilliant all-round goal. But yeah, I think, I think for me, Taylor does what he can do in the inverted position, which is which is good. But the, the traditional fullback road, Gavin, he's just not quite up to speed. Granted, granted. Look, Ross, I, I, I'm under the impression that, that you are a, a bit of an advocate for, for Greg Taylor. Um, <laughs> perhaps not the president of the Greg Taylor fan club, but I'm sure that you've got his back to an extent. The one thing that I would like to get your your kind of thoughts on is, now somebody said in the post, Greg Taylor can't grow any taller. You know, he is what he is. He's as fast as a lever B. He's as tall as a lever B. The one thing that I would level at him is... Sometimes his awareness positionally as a fullback. Um, I've I've watched sometimes whenever the the opposition um just lob the ball up and Greg Taylor at that might that point might be at the halfway line and then he kind of starts running back, jogging back, and he, he doesn't have a good awareness of where his his uh his winger is, the guy that he's maybe marking. He's looking at the ball, but he doesn't know where the, the guy is, and he gets caught out, I feel too many times. So his physicality is what it is. You know, he kind of done through about that, but I think maybe his his football and IQ positionally could be improved upon. What's your thoughts, or am I just being overly harsh? Um, no, I totally take on board what you're saying, and I, I would agree with that to an extent. This Well, I would probably agree with that for the most part this season. But when Greg Taylor first came in under Neil Lennon, he was asked to play an out-and-out wing-back, and he couldn't do it. He, he wasn't very good at it, but I've always said for day one that Greg Taylor, when Kieran Tierney left, I wanted us to sign Greg Taylor as his replacement. I wasn't saying that he was going to be as good as Greg eh, Kieran Tierney, but that's the, that's the guy I wanted. <coughs> as a defender, for me, one-on-one situations, face-to-face with a defender, I think he defends very well. In terms of his positional sense, I understand what you're saying, but I think under Ange, he was getting used to a role uh, playing as that inverted fullback, and he did get caught out early doors with that, but then he, he got used to it. And when Rodgers came in, he reverted back to that sort of like out-and-out fullback that you would, you would say. And again... I don't think he done very well at it. Quickly, Rogers realised that he's going to be more effective for me if he plays that more inverted role, certainly going forward. But I think because he played, I understand what you're saying, that ball over the top, he gets caught out with it a lot. But I think it's because he plays so high up the pitch and so central that he has, he's been targeted that Certainly because of his height, but I think it's because he is playing more narrow as well. I think it, it it makes it look worse on him than what it would be if he was playing that more natural left back. And he's getting caught out, and then you're not getting to see Greg Taylor playing 
or coming up with that where he's set and he's ready to defend against his winger. I think when he's set and he's ready to defend against his winger, Greg Taylor can defend, but most of the time when it does go over the top because he's playing more inverted, more in, inside the pitch, he's chasing his tail to get back. And more often than not, you see um, Liam Scales coming across and covering him with his pace. And I, I think that, listen, you don't want to see that all the time, but I just think it's a sort of pitfall of the role that he's playing. And I think that you, you get the best out of Greg Taylor playing in the role that he's playing, going the other way, which is attacking and trying to score goals. So I think you, you sort of sacrifice that. And at times, it'll show up and make Greg Taylor look really bad, certainly at that next next um, level in terms of European stage. And I think he looked even worse this season because he also, as much as Liam Skills was covering him, he didn't have Maeda to help him out. Whereas last season, when he was playing that role, Maeda was, the work right up and down that line for Maeda is second to none for me in, yep. in world football, work rate-wise. <laughs> not ability. But um, I think he looks more exposed this season playing that inverted fullback without Maeda and it's only scales that's covering it. Because I think Greg Taylor, I think he's shown for me when he is in that inverted fullback role, he can find a pass. He can play a pass over the top. He can play it through the lines. He can play it wide. And I think he really thrives. And I, and I think in the last couple of weeks, he's been really good. I think he was really good at St Mirren. I thought he was brilliant against Rangers. Listen, I'm not saying Greg Taylor's the answer. If we can get, if Rogers wants to play, put it this way, if Rogers wants to play an out-and-out wing-back where that guy's overlapping, because right now, if he's going to go with Palmer, we need somebody to overlap him because he's coming inside all the time. So if we can get somebody that's going to be able to do that and allow Rogers to play the way he wants to play rather than Rogers playing the way Greg Taylor wants to play, then by all means do that. But for me, I know I answered the question. I can't remember what the question, how it was worded, but I probably, I just went to Greg Taylor straight away. I think he gets unfair criticism criticism, and he's the scapegoat. He maybe doesn't get undue criticism, but I can see personally, it might be wrong, but my personal opinion is that just what I've sort of outlined there is why sometimes he looks a bit more exposed. Um, but in terms of the goal, um, I actually... Like, I thought we scored three brilliant goals the other night, but that goal, I think, excuse me, it doesn't really get the credit that it deserves. When you look at that goal, right, Bernardo's pass over the top. What is it? So true. What was I saying? Aye, the goal, um, Bernardo's pass over the top is nothing short of sublime. It is phenomenal, yeah. right? And then Greg Taylor hits the ball, first time on the half volley. I, Gavin, you said it's right at the goalkeeper, but all you're, at, all you're looking for any player in that position is to hit the target and you're going to score. And Greg Taylor does that. But for me, I look at it and Celtic scored that goal and again, I forget St Mirren's stadium name, but Celtic scored that goal and Paisley, right? See if Xavi plays the ball over the top in the new camp and Messi hits it in the half volley. You're you're going, oh my God, what a goal that is. It's absolutely outstanding because the surroundings are beautiful. 
the surroundings aren't beautiful. It's no, it, it will not get talked about as much. It's Celtic, it, it's against St Mirren as the opposition. But whatever way you look at that, Bernardo has to execute that pass and he has to play it inch perfect for Greg Taylor to run onto it and hit it in the half volley. It was an absolutely, like we talk about the goals we've scored against Atletico Madrid at home, the one way O'Reilly and Kyogo. For me, that's as good as any of them. It was a phenomenal goal. Mm-hmm. I no 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 getting away from um, the quality of the goal and um, for a <laughs> defender for a defender to have the confidence to execute that type of finish, um, it, it, you know, it certainly complements um, his repertoire. Um, <clears throat> the other thing you kind of take into account is that Greg Taylor started his footballing career as a central midfielder, and then at Kilmarnock. He regressed further back. The, the coaching staff said, why don't you play as, as a left-back? Um, and that can have its own benefits whenever you can see the play opening up and you've can, you, you, you you've got that space to kind of move into to affect the game, which he has done. I guess player, players' weaknesses and strengths are going to be stressed higher or a more intensity whenever you know you, you go up in quality, as, as it has done, as it inevitably will do. <coughs> You represent Celtic domestically and and in Europe, and that's exactly what we're seeing. We see the the best and the worst of them. Um, whether he's going to be, you know, adequate for Celtic moving forward if we want to get better, if we deem left back as a position it should be strengthened, mm-hmm. we'll find that out in due course. Whether Rogers really wants to do that or not, probably I, I would say that the popular opinion of Celtic fans would be yes, we would like to see an upgrade in Greg Taylor. One thing I will say. The guy's got heart. Um, the guy never ever shocks from responsibility, and I think he's kind of Callum McGregor's right hand man in the dressing room and on the training field. You know, I like that leadership. Uh, so you know, re- regardless of the shortcomings, he never ever shies away, which tells I tells think, you a lot about the, the character. I think what people are hanging their hat on here is that Rogers wants a similar profile to Alistair Johnson, left back, tall, physical, athletic, robust. Can, can go 90 minutes, can overlap, can underlap, can do both kind of roles. And I think that's what we're all hoping for. But I do agree, like, Greg Taylor, what he brings, he, he's developed into a leader within that team. We've seen it with, when he gave Mickey Johnson dogs abuse when he kept losing Tavenier, and rightly so, by the way. He, need, he needed called out because he was lazy and his tracking back. He was seeing popping up with goals. We see him getting involved with the celebrations and things like that. Look, I'm not underestimating what he brings to us as a club, but Ross mentioned that it's the next level I'm looking at. It's next year in the Champions League. I'm looking at domestically. I'm happy with Greg Taylor. That's fair enough. But again, I know the counter argument is every player can be improved on. That's that that I, I totally take that on board. But if we're looking at the, the options that we could do in the summer, like Roger said, I think left back for me has to be a priority. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about it. See, whenever Ross was talking, I, I was obviously hanging on to your every word. But another part of my brain was thinking. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like you're you're the first that's ever said that. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Trust me. Um, <laughs> part of me was thinking, what's the best left backs that we've had since the 90s? I was thinking, I loved watching Tosh McKinley play left back under Tommy Burns. Um, Martin and never had a proper left back. It was like three five two, and the, the the left winger was Alan Thompson, who was more of a, a forward thinking midfielder rather than a defensive guy. Um, Kieran Tierney, Isagiri, of course, 
apart from those three, McKinley, Izagi, McKin, and 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 uh, and uh, Tierney. I can't think of many others. Can, can you guys think of any? Have I got a blind spot? Can, can I have a good one there? I. Smith Scotland, Stephen Mahe. Can I throw one in? And look, maybe he didn't do amazingly well, but it's someone I enjoyed watching. And I, I love the fact you're laughing already because you think it's going to be shit. I know who you're going but to say. Who? <laughs> Lee Naylor. Go. No, no, no. I like no, Watson. I, no, no. I, I like Watson, Danny Fox. Was he not like a six month thing with the Celtics? I, but he was, I thought he was good. Look, I'm not saying he's up over the best. No, 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 no. But I'm saying I thought he was a good footballer all round. It was like a holiday romance. It was very, very brief. See what you're saying with the, the guys that you mentioned there, Gavin. You, you obviously spoke about Tosh McKinley. Um, I, for me, I don't think Tosh McKinley was that overlapping fool, but I think I sort of look at Tosh McKinley in the sort of Greg Taylor mould. Uh, and then you look at um, Kieran Tierney and Izagiri in the same mould, as much as Kieran Tierney obviously took his position off him. I'm not saying Izagiri is as good as. Kieran Tierney, um, but they were like, that mould. But I agree with you. There's there's not many more that you could pick out and go. They stick in your head. Lee Naylor, I think Lee Naylor was decent. Solid. Solid. Yeah, he, he, he had a lot of good games and big European games. But I mean, they they played as a team. They were a a, a unit. It wasn't just individual performances that under Stratton that won his games. It was the the unit as a whole. Um, but I Lee Naylor, he wasn't. He? The greatest player, but again in the big games he turned up. Me, uh, Lee Naylor, I think he won. A, he was a contender, or he actually won it. Played the, the the season for his debut season, debut year with Celtic. Uh, he hit the Doesn't ground he? running. I, I, Lee, Lee Naylor, opening opening uh, year for Celtic, brilliant. Uh, he, he may kind of petered out after that, but I think he was. I, you're, you're right. It was quite a probably a. Uh, an adequate name to add to that list. Aye, there, there's been a lot of names have been kind of... El Kaduri. El Kaduri. El Kaduri. <laughs> Remember the, the guy, the Dutch guy? Was it Brahid? Brahid. Who's El Kaduri then? There was a Hatem El Hamid, but he was a right back, wasn't he? Hat, yeah. yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, he yeah. was a right back. El, uh, was it El Kaduri? There, we had a player it? called El. Did we have a yeah, player called El? He actually scored the yeah. Ibrox, didn't he? Aye, he did. He did. Uh, I'm taking that uh, one. <laughs> have it, kid. I think. By the way, see the most heartless, the most heartless fullback I've ever seen. I think he was actually a right mid. Uh, Jeremy Tolian from on. Oh Lord. my god! Oh he my did, god! He didn't fancy it. it at all. He hated everything about Scotland. He didn't get it. He had no fight, no heart. He was right. an imposter, a mercenary. And I what don't about see John that... Joe? Oh, no. John Joe, the most boring footballer ever to put <laughs> on a Celtic shirt. That guy, <laughs> he's, oh, wow. And he play, I think he plays in Germany for like Hoffenheim or something now. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. uh, what was the other boy um, in the COVID season? Absolutely got rot. Uh, the old one? The boy with the, the long hair, um, the dreads. Bibber? No. No. That, that no. He, there, am I, was he a right back? Am I getting mixed up? Maybe he was a right back. The Uruguayan. The, the Laxalt. John's in the right? comments. You be careful. You be careful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he 
He was, he was an airbag. Shite, man. Black <laughs> Salt was a strange, strange looking human being. Um, <laughs> okay. Let's move on from the left back conundrum. Uh, right, okay. Uh, Brendan Rogers um, came up with a, an interesting uh, anecdote um, talking about January and um, the the diet that, that us football fans feed upon, which is of course transfer rumours. And he, he spoke about Damien Rice, uh, Damien Declan Rice, Damien Rice Damien. is that jazz that that jazz pianist, isn't he? Um, <laughs> yes, I. <laughs> I he had this heyday a long time ago. Um, Declan Rice, uh, he said that we were very, very close to signing him. Um, however, he got injured at the, the 11th hour and we never pulled the trigger. Um, and then, you know, kind of sliding doors moment, you know, we saw what happened. Uh, he used to be a, a Chelsea a Chelsea youth product, moved to West Ham, then he eventually got some game time and he became their captain, of course, and you know what happens next. He wins with the Conference League, uh, and, and he's now got his big 100 million move to, to Arsenal, and he's the darling of the English media. Um, Stephen, uh, out of curiosity, uh, is there any, any kind of um, uh, bitterness that he, he never continued with the Republic of Ireland? One thing you'll get to know about me, Gavin, and really quickly, I couldn't care less about international football. I couldn't care it, but what a what a, what I will say, what I will say, you're the big fella Rice going by his Twitter posts and all the way up to the the Irish national team. He was all in, he was all in, and then one day he just decided to switch allegiance, and I think that left a, a sour taste and many supporters uh, and my for the Ireland team. But look, I don't hold no gripes against him. He's a fantastic player, and he, he's done well to get where he's at. And look, he, he plays for England and a, and a team littered with talent, albeit they don't do. They don't win the trophy, trophies they probably should do, but Declan Rice and his own merit is a fantastic world-class footballer. Do I hold gripes against them? No. Do I care about international football? Not particularly. Do I care about the Irish national team? No. But there we go. That's 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 just my opinion on it. And just to kind of touch upon John Tomlinson's um, uh, comment there, uh, do you have an affinity with the Northern Irish national team? Don't listen to him. He's my cousin. He's winding me up. I'm Irish. I'm not Northern Irish. I'm always Irish. And you are not a better man, of course. Um, I'm not better. <laughs> just a, a, quote, a quote from a song that I'd heard one time. <laughs> um, I, uh, what we're talking about, Rice. Rice would have been some player, but it is what it is. You know, um, One moment he's getting put up for, for comments about uh, republicanism, and then the next he's playing for England. Uh, how times change very, very quickly. Um, right, okay, so transfer rumours in general then. Um, Ross, let's start with Scott McKenna. Um, we've seen this movie before. Apparently it used to cost £10 million. Maybe he's now £2 million. I don't know. He, he, he got his move to Nottingham Forest, surplus to requirements. Would you take him? By the way, before I get your answer on that, the last time I saw him was when he came on as a sub for, for Scotland. We were playing against a Diddy team. And his first touch. Diddy team. There are many, many. It could have been Gibraltar. It could have been, I don't know. <clears throat> the ball got passed to him and he he misjudged the, 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 the space, the timing. And he ended up, his first touch became a tag when he got yellow carded. Um, that's my, my last memory of, um, of uh, Scott McKenna. What's your thoughts on the guy? Uh, is he good enough for Celtic? Um, 
Well, I'll start with the pros. Uh, he's 27. He's in the prime of his career. He'll bring physicality, certainly in both boxes. Celtic need that. They're lacking that. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't think he's better than what we have. I don't. He's certainly not better than CCV. Currently, is he better than Liam Scales? Well, he's not playing that much football. Liam Scales is in the form of his life, and I don't think that. A McKenna, that has <laughs> playing at the playing at the, the top level of his career at whatever point that was at. I don't think it's ever been good enough to do what Liam Scales has been doing at Celtic in the last sort of six, seven months. I look at Navrocki, he's come in eh, and he's he's played a couple of games, he's getting back up to speed. I, I, I didn't I, I liked what I seen him at the start of the season and I've liked a lot more what I've seen him in the last couple of games. I know it's a small period that we've seen him. But for me, I don't think that... Well, you look at... The, that, that's two players, right, in CCV, so you're talking fourth choice right away, right? Then you look at it and go, right, what sort of money are we going to have to pay for him? I don't know what the fee has been reported at. Um, it might be in the region of £25 million. So are we going to pay in the region of £25 million for a guy... Listen, Brendan Rodgers might want him. He might think he's the man to partner CCV long-term. But at the moment, without knowing that, I look at it and I go, for me, he's third choice at best. I don't think, when you look at most of the squad, that we should be shelling out two, three, four, five million pounds on a guy that is going to be third choice. And for me, I don't think... I don't think I, I don't think he can. I, I, when they say definitely can't break into the team, but for me, I've not seen anything, and I've not watched all his career, but I've not seen anything in the games that I've seen him playing that he can be the answer to be alongside Carter Vickers. There might be guys out there that have followed his career and will tell me otherwise, and I'm open to that. But I, I just don't see it. I, I really don't. It's. Even Lager Bielka, listen, he might be away. I don't mind. What I've seen in that guy, I think he's performed fairly well in a Celtic jersey, barring the sort of slip-up which he got away with at Ibrox. I think he's performed fairly well. And listen, he's not been under immense pressure in all of the games he's played in, but I don't see... I really don't see McKenna as the answer for us going forward. Everybody talks about we need to spend more money on players and get players that are going to take us to the next level in the Champions League. That's no Scott McKenna for me. You look at it, he's, he's went down to Forest. he's had a decent spell to begin with, but he's fell out of favour. So I'll, I'm like, they're in the lower echelons of the Premier League. Then I look at the Scotland squad, You've got Ryan Porteous, who I said I wouldn't take at Celtic. He's done okay down at Watford, but again, they're in the lower echelons of the Championship. Uh, Jack Kendry was deemed not good enough for Celtic. He's a better player now than he was at Celtic, but would I take him at Celtic? No. McKenna can't get in the team before him. Grant Hanley, he's getting to the sort of latter stages of his career. 
and he can get in the Scotland team before him. There's far more reasons that point to me that Scott McKenna will not be the answer for Celtic than reasons that do. So for me, at the minute, it's a no. But if Celtic do sign him, I'll trust Rodgers and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But the jury for me would be out massively on that one. Ross, you've actually convinced me. Like the longer you spoke about that, the further that you convinced me that that was a grim question I threw at you about Scott McKenna. Um, you know, like it, it, it just doesn't have it, man. And like Brendan Rogers spoke about quality. January is a time to bring in quality. He does not want quantity. We've done enough of that project push. Um, albeit McKenna is never going to be a project signing. He's of that age where he's just going to be a, a numbers guy. But we do not need that. In, in January, Lagabielka, I would still favour Lagabielka. You've got Scales, Norotsky, and Cameron Carter Vickers. That's four people. But Kobayashi, by all means, pardon my friend, she can get to fuck during January. But we've still got four other centre backs who can stay about. Stephen Welsh, hopefully he's not out for too long. But McKenna, no, nah, I would rather Stephen, I would definitely rather um, Stephen Welsh over, over McKenna. And I, I can, I, I, I don't, I don't. I'm not, I'm not against Stephen Welsh hanging about the club um, as part of the, the kind of four centre-backs. Um, John Kiernan, uh, McKenna's another John Suter, overhyped waste of cash. Yeah, I think a lot totally of people agree. can come with this. Um, Stephen, uh, Ross is completely right. The, the way that this season has transpired, we need to give the fans a lift. And again, I apologise for even bringing up the name of McKenna, but McKenna is not befitting of the bill. He's not befitting our requirements right now. He's not what we need for this season or for next season. He's not going to enhance the team. Um, he's another He's another James McCarthy signing, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, the McKenna thing, I was thinking that the, the Brenda Rogers, <coughs> sorry, at, at Leicester, and he had, I mean, he didn't have the most eye plays in centre halves. You remember Sionchu that he the, the the Turkish guy he had? He was probably of a similar mode to McKenna in, in terms of does no nonsense, straight in the tackle, just gets the ball away. John was saying that in the comments as well. Um, I think he had the likes of Wes Morgan at the start. He was obviously the captain and, and people of that ilk. So he's had a physical presence at Leicester City. Maybe he wants to bring that to us. And I think Ross said that's the only pro that I can see McKenna bringing to the team. Um in, in other essence, he's slow, he can't turn, he's not what we exactly call a ball-playing centre-half, so if, if you're looking at a, ball, a, a defender to play off the back, he's not it. And if we, we play a high line, and I think he'll be greatly exposed, especially in European football. I said it last week, the cannon shouldn't be anywhere near the football club. I think it's it's one of these ones that's a, a player who's always going to be linked with Celtic. It's, it's Scalise, he's played in the SPL before, he's out of favour with Nottingham Forest. Maybe it's just regurgitated news from the likes of the record and, and papers of that nature. I wouldn't be excited about it. I, I know Ross was saying about his time in the Premier League, but ultimately that, that's been a failure. And I think he's talked about the Scotland squad, which, again, it's not my expertise, but he doesn't get into it. So, so that says a lot for me. I mean, Porteous plays for Watford. He gets into it. And Grant Hanley, who's near 45, he still gets in above McKenna. So I wouldn't take him. And it's not going away. It's not down down, which worries me quite a bit. <laughs> Is there, is there gravity with the rumour? Is something happening behind the scenes? You also seen today that Sevco, they're interested in him. So I'm looking at that going, if they're kind of trying to fight with us to sign him, let them have him. <laughs> let them have McKenna. <laughs> we, we do not need him. I think that comment from uh, John, was it John Kiernan, about the suitor, John Suter, uh 
Uh, I think I think that's totally bang on. He's just another John Sitter for me. See, see the thing is, as well, like, listen, I'm not saying Rogers wants him, right? It's it's all, it's rumours at the moment. But if Rogers does want Scott McKenna, right, I can only think that Rogers has changed his thinking of what he wants his defenders to do because when he first came in at Celtic, I forget the guy's name, I've been racking my brains, but. He got rid of the boy that went back to Matchelland for not being a ball playing centre half. Straight Straight right? He was a very good defender for me. Certainly a better defender than Boyata. He wasn't a bomb scare, but he couldn't play. He wasn't that ball playing centre half, and that's why reportedly Rogers got rid of him. So why now bring in Scott fucking cumbersome McKenna? (laughs) Cumbersome. You're right. We'll get two men at centre backs right now. Um, we, we would have to get rid of several, not just one. We'd have to get rid of several, plural, um, in order to actually accommodate McKenna. And again, Gavin, can I throw something to you? I've been actually quite interested in this guy's comments. He, he must be new. And look, I'm not going to pronounce your name because I'll make an absolute arse of myself and I don't want to do that, which I do anyway, but I don't want to do it to your name. It's just a funny. I mean, John was a big fan of this guy. Should ever let Urugiri go. Didn't have good ball control, but he was big and fast. Where, where do you stand on that one, Gav? Um, well, by the way, welcome to the, the podcast. Uh, thank you for the comment. Now, don't take this the wrong way. Now, I am not right and I'm not wrong. I don't have an authority in this, but I totally disagree with what you say about Urugiri. I, I said that when I was on the Jungle Gyms podcast. Whenever we played um, Real Betis, at Parkhead and the Europa League, we beat them, what was it, 3-2 maybe? Uh, we beat them anyway by a, a, a single goal. I watched him in the flesh and I felt that he was not a footballer. Did not rate him whatsoever. Now, I know that, you know, it's maybe maybe incorrect to, to, to write a player off um, after seeing him for one game. <clears throat> and again, it goes both ways. You can't, you can't sing a person's praises. After one game, but I watched him in the flesh against Real Betis. Urugidi, he played it right back. His positional awareness was appalling. I was watching the way that the winger was was kind of jostling for position, and Urugidi, he was trying to look at the ball, trying to look at the guy, and he he, he was he looked scared, he looked frightened, um, despite the fact that he was about six foot plus, uh, a big lumpy lad. Um, and then we did we did uh, an episode on the Jungle Gyms after the game, and I said about that, and a lot of people disagreed with me. I'm like, fair enough. And I watched the game back, I recorded it, and I watched the game back, and it never gave a true a true picture of Urugidi's performance. Um, but even the the, the 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 footage, I'm like, no, there's no way I'm buying. He's a a footballer for Celtic. We got him when he was what 18, 19 from Sheffield Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, by the way, that is a scattergun approach to the, 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 the cross-border rule when we get people on the cheap and we hope for the best. Same with that Shaw guy. Urigidi, I don't think, is going to make a proper career as a professional footballer. Certainly not at Celtic. Look, you need to be you need to be very, very good to play for Celtic. Never mind the fact that you need a, 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 a kind of a mental um a mental um a, what's the word? A mentality, Christ I'm you guys. A mentality, Gavin. Come on. You need you need to have a unique mentality. Regardless of your ability, you need to have a 
a unique mentality as an athlete to actually perform for a team like Celtic because of the pressure. He never had the footballing ability and he looked like a duck out of water and he certainly did going to the toilet here. mentality here. Um, Osazu Rigidi for me was a dud. Uh, I agree with Corvo. Uh, I'm not shitting I'm not shitting on your, your opinion. Don't 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 allow that to put you off contributing more because I'm not an authority on this. I just didn't rate him at all. Ross, what was your thoughts? Uh, listen, I, I sort of agree. I, I think a dud's a bit harsh because he was young, but for me, listen, the guy could run. Um, he had power, but like Scott McKenna, who can't run, <laughs> but uh, like that, that isn't the only attribute you need to possess to be able to play for Celtic. How some people can advocate that Urugidi could have been a good player for Celtic, but slate Greg Taylor is beyond me. Because Greg Taylor can play. Listen, he's not got the best pace. But for me, he can defend one-on-one. Urugidi, he might well go on to be a, a really good player if it's coached into him. But in terms of football and ability, I just don't think it was there. Like, he might be able to be a better centre half then he, he will be a wing back um, but it, it, for me it, maybe it was the right player like, like the Ronnie Dyla question you asked earlier maybe it was the right player at the wrong time that's probably what it was I don't know what he's doing in his career right now but he's certainly not playing at the top top level so I, I, I'm not losing any sleep over Celtic getting rid of Uruguide. Yeah. Another thing that I remember was he had this kind of weird galloping style um, when he, he was running off the pitch. He was very, very unorthodox. Um, he didn't look like a footballer to me. But again, I'm not an authority on Urugidi. I just no, we're not. It's all about opinions, eh? Of course, of course. And we welcome uh, all that in the chat. And for Mahesh Raja, uh, he said, I can see your point, but given Celtic's budget, hard to... Um, get speed and skill at that price at points and operate. So Celtic need to uh, to look forward to speed at the back. I get your point. Sometimes you, you, you hope for the best. And that's what we kind of do with that kind of cross-border rule. We see people with potential in England. We know we can get them on the cheap. And we've done it. We've done it numerous occasions. Like even going back to like Ben Hutchison, Faith and Middlesbrough <coughs> back in the day. Who, funny remember, enough, yeah, to for us. Do you remember <coughs> Tyler Blackett from Manchester United as well? All these yeah. different types of players. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You win some, you lose some. Um, that's it. <coughs> that's, that's it. Uh, what else? Okay, Shankland. Now, this is an interesting one. Now, I don't think that Shankland has been spoken enough on, in the last few episodes that I've listened um, and, and I've been part of with this podcast. I think an honest discussion needs to be had about Let's go. I'm strapping in. Now, I am just going to try and play devil's advocate. I'm not saying... What I think goes against Shankland is he's 20... I think, it, correct me if I'm wrong, about 28 years old. 28 years old. Yeah. He's at, at the wrong age, okay? He's at the wrong age for uh, a sizable investment. I think Hearts might... I think Hearts have got about a year and a half left in his contract. So they'll hold on to him unless they get a pretty penny. Now, you say never worth five million. That's fair enough, but he's worth whatever someone is willing, willing to pay for. Maybe you'll get a championship um, club. I think that would be the, the preferential option for us. 
if a championship club came in for Shanklin and took him away from Scottish football, I think we would all like to see that. But the unignorable fact is that he's a top goal scorer right now in Scotland. Um, I don't think he's better than Kyogo, but in terms of um, as a goal getter, you know, he, he's close in those numbers. Uh, he, he went away to, to Belgium, I think, a few years back. Didn't work out for him, came back. He thrives in Scottish football. He knows the game. Now, again, this is playing devil's advocate. So if you think I'm a Shankland fan, then whatever. I don't care. But I, I just want to get an honest opinion from you guys. Now, I think you would you would agree with me on this, okay? Sevco in the past few years, if you if you look at the the victories that we've had against them, um, Sevco, apart from a four 0 at Parkhead and apart from a three 0 at Parkhead that we've enjoyed. All the other results under Ange in the past two years um, have been just by one goal margins. And even even, even this year, we beat them 1-0 at Ibrox. We beat them 2-1 there. Parkhead, one goal margins. A lot of those games, if you remember, or maybe you, we don't want to be honest and remember these, a lot of them, they've, they've missed glaring opportunities against us. If they had a striker of Shankland, of his calibre, Especially in Scotland, I think he's good enough to put away those chances. Now, there's been unfashionable signings in Scottish football. Scott McDonald, a lot of people never wanted us to go for it. We got it, and that consolidates your domestic superiority. Um, Gary Hooper for Huddersfield, not fashionable, but I know he's for England, but that's the guy, guy who gets you the goals. Um, and and th- th- there's been other players of that ilk. Now, we might turn our nose up at Shankland. He's at the wrong age, too much money. He's not a Celtic fan. Okay, we don't like him. But is that a good enough reason for us to ignore the impact that he could potentially have? At As I said, I would love for him to go to England and we can get rid of him. But I think if he does go to Rangers, if they do want to spend that money, and they might not, but, but it would give them, I wouldn't say it would give them the upper hand, but it certainly strengthens their their um prolificacy in front of goal. So I want to hear honest opinions from you guys. No 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 snobbishness, no turning your nose up at it. What's your honest assessment of Shankland? Who first? Whoever wants to go first. Ross, take it. Go ahead, buddy. Right, okay. Um no listen. This is my take on it, right? Lauren Shankland is an out and out goal scorer, right? In the same way that Lee Griffiths was an out-and-out goal scorer. People yes. turned their nose up at Lee Griffiths coming to Celtic. For me, it was, Lee Griffiths came to Celtic at a time where we didn't have a top-quality number. Albeit Kyle was not a num- he's not our number nine, but he is playing in that role. Uh, we didn't have that top, top-quality player in there. Lee Griffiths came in and he scored goals for Celtic. Like ridiculous amounts of goals that 40 goal season ludicrous right for me right now I look at it Lauren Shankland what, what's the fee talked about is it 2 million five. is it 5 well right right. Well, that, that, that changes things well it doesn't really change things because what I was going to say is for me Lauren Shankland coming into Celtic right he's not going to take Kyogo's place as much as you could say the both of them, if they get a chance in front of goal, I would probably, if it was one and one with the keeper, 
I would probably put my money on Shanklin scoring it before Kyogo, right? As an out and out goal scorer. But what they bring to the team all round, and Chris Boyd saying that that, that goal that Shanklin scored against Hibs, it was phenomenal. But then Kyogo just answered, answered it. And he can score their goals as well, right? But if you're talking about an out and out finisher, Shanklin's, for me, is better. If you're talking about an out and out finisher, like if Lee Griffiths was at Celtic right now, he's not getting in the team before Kyogo. But he's a better finisher than Kyogo. I don't think that's up for discussion. But I look at the Celtic team now. If we if we are going to pay four or five million for Lawrence Shankland, then it's a no go because he doesn't play before Kyogo and you're not going to pay that sort of money for a guy that's going to play second or third string, right? So for me, for Celtic, it's a no. But like you, um, Gavin, I look at it and I'm like, for Rangers right now, they don't have that out-and-out goal scorer. They've signed that Fabio Silva. I don't think he's an out-and-out goal scorer. Seema is a very good player. I actually think he might be due to go back in January. I might be wrong. They've got Dessers. He's not an out-and-out goal scorer. Lammers, not an out-and-out goal scorer. That summer window, I looked at Rangers and I thought, they're trying to play a front three and they've signed three number nines. The the boy, um, I think they got him for Feyenoord, can't remember his name, Danilo. Danilo. Right. They're trying to play three number nines. That is um, Michael Beale all over the back. He's an ethnic. But for me, like you said, I think Lauren Shanklin right now would be a perfect... A perfect fit for Rangers. He's a very good player. He's not a perfect fit for Celtic, but he's a perfect fit for Rangers. They need a goal scorer. They don't have it now. And you made a great point. We have won games against Rangers by a single goal. And if they sign Lauren Shankland, he could be the difference for Rangers between losing the game, getting a point, possibly even winning that game. So as much as I'm not bothered if we sign or don't sign Shankland, really don't want Rangers to sign Shankland. I totally agree with you. Going to the Championship or even the lower part of the English Premier League, I would be delighted with that more than I would be delighted if he signed for Celtic because it stops Rangers getting them. Because if Rangers get him, he will get them goals that I'm not saying would be the difference, but it would certainly give them a better chance. Ross, that crystallises my point. Thank you for that. Um, it's not me advocating to buy Shankland because of the financial value that we would have to invest in him. It doesn't make um, it doesn't make sense. He's not a better player than Kyogo. Kyogo contributes more as a team player as well, apart from just the goals. Um, so it's not that we should buy Shankland, but it's about, as you said, the danger that he represents if he does cross to the the other. Um, club um, across the water. And by the way, just to, to kind of um, say we had a, a comment from Daniel McAlpine. Hi guys from South Africa, Rangers do not worry me. Just to let you know, we did actually make a, a wee comment about your um, home country. We did speak about Oscar Pistorius and the, the breaking news <laughs> earlier on today. Um, I hope you've caught the, the full podcast. Um, but Stephen, um, what, what's your thoughts about the danger that Shackland represents? Fucking danger. Um I mean I mean I, I can see here that in the comments 
I would say 95% don't want Lawrence Sanklin, whether it's because he's a Rangers fan or because he wouldn't challenge for the number one jersey is, is up for debate here. I'm of the latter. I don't think there's no point outlaying £5 million for a striker to, to play second fiddle. I'm of the opinion we should be getting the best striker available to us, and hopefully that is better than Kugo, that is better than O, and someone to come in and take the, the starting jersey because that's what we need to do. Instead of buying more squad fillers, we've got enough of them. The striking department is short, I do agree, but again, given Hart's £5 million for Sagan, I, I just think it would be crimi- a criminal act. I, he's a great goal scorer, but let's be fair here, Gavin, he turns like milk. He, he's, not the, he's not the quickest player in the world. I think Liam Boyce is 32, 33, and he's faster on him. Um, his overall play at times is questionable. It, he comes up with moments of brilliance, look, and that's the hallmark of, of a good player, and Scott McDonald, I, f- I think you said Scott McDonald. I think comparing him to Shanklin, I think Scott McDonald's miles above him. Link up play, getting involved w- w- with the team, can get him behind. He scored fantastic goals in European football, AC Milan, the volley against uh, Sevco, things like that. Unbelievable memories. Shanklin is nowhere near that for me. And William said it in the comments, he- he's not coming to challenge. And if you're going to spend that amount of money, you need someone to come and challenge for, for a-, a starting position. This whole worry about him going to the Rangers, I do, I concur. If we keep doing the job, if we keep winning our games, if we keep beating them, if we keep scoring goals and keeping clean seats, then we have nothing to worry about. Shanklin is a decent striker at SPFL level, but so is Duke, so is Mayowski, so was uh, your man who left Hibs. I can't quite remember his name. He went to Millwall. That's uh, he was a good player, and he, he's actually tanking at Millwall at the minute. So he is, but. These are Nesbitt. these are all decent. Nesbitt, yeah, Nesbitt. We were linked with him before as well. These are all decent players. But can these players make the step up and challenge Kugel? The answer for me is no. That's my opinion. And it's not because he's a Rangers fan. Like we had Kenny Miller in our ranks and he did a job for us. And he actually played really well in, in European football. Scored two against Benfica at one point. That doesn't bother me. What bothers me is, do you have the quality to come in and, and make an impact in the team? And Lawrence Shankland, the 28 years old, doesn't. Fair dues, fair dues. Uh, by the way, to Pam, sorry about the, the quip about um, uh, the Blade Runner. Not everybody's cup of tea, that type of humour, so I apologise if I did offend. What, um, what did Pam say? Oh, uh, all right, okay. Yeah, it's not a funny topic, which is fair enough. Um, no no offence. <laughs> we've got one other um, player that we have been linked with, uh, Nicholas Kuhn, uh, rapid Vienna winger. But I think that did he, was he on Bayern Munich's books before, and yep. Ajax as well? Perhaps I think he was he was uh, touted as a wonder kid uh, when he was younger, but it's not gonna worked out that way. Um, Gal, Pam said it's not you. Don't worry about it. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, okay, well, just as long as you're not offended, that's the main thing. Just want to make make sure that everybody's happy in the comments. Um, so thank you for clarifying that, Pam. I hope you're doing well. Uh, aye, so um, Nicholas Kuhn, um, he's, a, he's a winger. I was wondering if you guys have heard much about this guy. Yeah, so Ajax and Bayern Munich, he's been on the books before. He's a, a January transfer uh, target. Um, I, I, I guess I guess the, the, the question is, are we in a position right now to buy a winger? And does his track record overwhelm you that he's going to be better than what we've got right now? We've bought a few duds like, Tell you, I know that our Australian friends um, were really, really hopeful of him. 
Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes you've got the ability, but you don't have the mentality. Sometimes you're the right, the, you're the right face, but the wrong time. Um, it, sometimes it just doesn't work out for you. Telio, it, it seems like he's going to go back. Um, uh, Mikey Johnson, you know, I think James in our podcast put it brilliantly. Um, he's having his tenth pint in the last chance saloon. Um, can't talk that line. Uh, Wingles, it's been a bit of a conundrum, and for me, it's one of the most romanticised positions um, as a as a Celtic fan. You know, uh, you what you what you see attacking Wingles. So we've been linked with this guy, uh, Stephen Ross. Either of you have read much about this guy? Do you know much about him? Do you think he could do a job for Celtic? Is it worthwhile to pull the trigger on him? Going by what, what I've seen, and this was another Celtic website, I think it was Celts are here, so I'm not going to say this is my own. I, I wouldn't do that. Apparently, he's in the top 12 of wingers in the world for producing goal involvements, assists, and goals in the top end of the pitch. He's in the top 12 in the world, apparently, Nicholas Kuhn. And he comes from great uh, stock. He was involved with Bayern Munich, went to Ajax, didn't work out, and then went to Rapid Vienna, and he's having a, a great time there. I think he's, he's already on about three goals and nine assists this season with Rapid Vienna. The only issue with me is, look, we need to get rid of a lot of, a lot of wingers. Tilio needs to go out and loan. I, don't, I, I wouldn't get rid of him permanently. I'll give him a loan move. Mickey Johnson just needs to go. Um, Abada, he's back fit. That's great news. Meadows fit. That's great news. We've got Palma and Yang. I like, I like the four of them. If Nicholas Kuhn can come in and be that kind of Jada where you're taking the player on, like Yang, but more consistently getting there with the final product, I'd be well buzzing to get him in the door. And going by his stats, um, like I said previously, he's up there with the highest involvements in world football. Obviously not world leagues, but we're going by by, by stats here. and He's right up there with goal involvements and, and things like that, which excites me. And he takes his man on and, and he's quite quick. And I think we need that. We've, we lack that. We do lack that with Palma, but... Look, my gripe is with Palman. I think you said earlier, Gavin, he telegraphs a lot of things that he's going to do. Maybe the two times out of ten that he doesn't, he produces magic, which is fantastic. But the likes of Yang and if Kuhn comes in, they play off the cuff, they're skillful, and get to the byline. You don't know what's going to happen. And I think we need that kind of different variation. Like Ross talked about in the midfield with the with like Bernardo, O'Reilly, and Kalmak. Just the variations, alternating positions. And I, th- I think he could, comp- could, could, could come in and complement that really well. And it's something we should look at getting more quality on the flanks because at the end of the day, we play the majority of football good, good down the wings and I think any other good winger coming in. But again, we'll have to get rid of the deadwood that's at the club. Mm-hmm. Ross, we've spoken about it earlier. We're talking about transfer rumours. Um, Rogers has said that the, the necessity for quality. Now, this guy, he got bought by the Austrian mob for 500 grand about 18 months ago. Apparently, they're looking for Four times that. Now, for my maths, I think that's about two million. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, however, does this guy represent what the fans need, what what the club needs? Like, we've got six months. But I, I said a while back um, to my mates, like, whenever we had that eight-point lead, um, totally digressing here, but is, are we almost at that point where the leak is getting wrapped up? You know, that was before Clement. Went on his uh, his, uh, his run. <laughs> Clement, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we are where we are right now. Um, you know the 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 eight point gap has now been brought down, and um, it's I don't know if you want to say squeaky bum time, but we've had our troubles, we've had our injuries, we've had poor transfers in the summer. We have mismanaged. 
But we are where we are now. We need to navigate from now until the end of the season. We can't really slip up more. But I guess I'm going back to this point. There's this rumour about a winger um, who's failed at other clubs, other big clubs, but maybe could do it at Celtic. Is he somebody who can be an asset, a proper asset, represent quality, which Brendan Rodgers has been speaking about? Well, to be honest with you, I've never seen one second of this guy playing. My understanding is he plays out in the left in a front three. Is that right? Aye. Yeah, um, on the left, yeah. So, I mean, it gives you that other option out there. I, I watched the St Mirren game the other night and um, Yang came on and he played out on the left-hand side. I think it was Franny who said it in our group chat. I think we can all agree now that uh, Yang's preferred side is the left-hand side because he's he's not done it on the right, but he looked... It wasn't unbelievable the other night, but he looked more threatening on that side, let's say. Um, he but, did. Aye. Um, but he's still... And we're going to use the, the, the word that people slate as far in this podcast, but he's still very raw. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know a lot about this... Uh, was it Kuhn? Aye. I Kuhn don't know a lot about him. Um, but uh, if he's more direct than a Palmer and he's got more experience and he's less raw than Yang, then I'm all for him coming in because we need... Uh, our wingers are on the, on the face of it. I've made the case that, like say, Palmer comes in, he, he's more efficient than Jota, he's not as easy in the eye and stuff like that, but on the face of it, with more time looking at it, I don't think our wingers are as good as what we've had or we've enjoyed in the last couple of years. Um. Obviously, we've been missing a badder, but I, as I say, I don't know enough about this guy, but if he's more direct and he can go by his man on the outside rather than seeing Palma come in the inside all the time, then you look at if we can't get the left back right for the end of this season, if we can't get the left back that Brendan Rodgers wants, who's going to be that guy that overlaps and he has to con- con- continue playing Greg Taylor, is that inverted? then I'm not say, saying take Palma out of the team, absolutely not. But this guy gives you that other option, a different option, where he can go on the outside and that still allows Greg Taylor to play inside and you're not getting that overload in the middle of the park where Palma's coming inside all the time and there's nobody <laughs> making the overlap and run. Listen, I don't know enough about the guy, I'm sort of guessing there, so my opinion might be totally wrong on that, but if he can do that where he's more direct and he can hit the byline better than Palmer, then it's certainly a better option than at £2 million. It's not a massive outlay. Is it the guy that's going to take you to the next level in the Champions League next season? That remains to be seen. But I don't think most guys that Celtic sign are not going to be the guy to take you to the next level in the Champions League. It's such a chasm. But they just... Celtic are not far away at that level. And you can add bits of quality and you can say spend six million him, six million him. It doesn't mean we're going to get third, we're going to get second in the Champions League. On paper, it gives you a better chance. But you look at, we've said it a million times, you look at Matt O'Reilly, you look at um, guys like Hatati, they've been that lower level of money 
then you look at guys that you've played higher level of money for in terms of a Yeti, uh, Edward even, to an extent. But none of these guys have been able to take us to that next level in the Champions League. So it's you, you want to, as much as this sounds really bad, right? It's not how I feel, right? I want us to go to that next level in the Champions League and get second, get even third to get us into the Europa League. We should be doing better. But for me, the players we're signing, they're, they're, they're players that are going to allow us to win the league title, which then puts us into the Champions League, right? And everybody goes on about Rangers. I know I'm going off on a tangent here, by the way. Everybody's going on about Rangers and the results they're getting in the Europa League and all that. But they've only had one appearance in the Champions League in the last, I don't know, what, 12, 13 years, something like that. Yeah. Might be yeah. more. And they failed miserably, right? Celtic are a better team than, have been a better team than them in that period. And they have failed on more than one occasion in that Champions League. But if Rangers had been in the Champions League, they'd have failed the exact same as Celtic. Celtic haven't had as many appearances in the Europa League, albeit that Rangers got to the final and they have, they have done really well. But I think if Celtic played at that level, excuse me, as regularly as regularly as Rangers, they would get victories and they would build that confidence of playing at that level and be able to get the same results that Rangers have achieved. But they're playing at a higher level. And it's more difficult to build that level of confidence. But the players that they're signing are still good enough to win the league title. I know the point I'm trying to make here. I don't know if you was there. Well, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I, I just think for, for me, <clears throat> like the whole Nicholas Coon thing, and look, I've become, you know what I'm like, Ross, I just want bang, bang, get the players in, first team ready. Rogers wants that as well, right? There has to be a point where as a club, we take a risk and do something in the transfer window. There has to be a point. Sorry. Do something. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> you all know, what's that? You're drinking that? You better be still in the beer, Gavin. That looks like plum juice or something. I was drinking red wine before the podcast started. However, I now have a fourth bottle to go through. I've drank three already of this Peroni. A good red wine is a good red wine, and I wanted to go back to it, man. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Like, but in, in regards to the, what you were saying, Ross, I th- look, me and you disagree a lot when it comes to transfers and things, and you mentioned the European thing, and I'm going to be ultimately blunt as they always am. We failed miserably in Europe as well. We failed. We finished fourth in our last two campaigns. That isn't good enough. Regardless of we got a victory here, we got a draw there. I didn't we should we shouldn't be. No, no, no. I know, I know, I know what you're saying. But I'm saying what what I think. And the the next level player that, that Rogers is talking about, I'm hoping and I'm trusting that he knows who that is, and he knows who he wants in. Because if it's Nicholas Coon, if it's Scott McKenna, who are we to say? Do, do you know what I mean? We can only give our opinion on it. That that's the the, the thing here. But. I think he said it in his press conference. There's a lot of positions that he wants to prioritise and there's a few positions he has to leave to the summer. I'm guessing that might mean the, the goalkeeping department will probably see that. But, yeah, the next level, who knows now? Who, who actually does? <laughs> I know. <laughs> who does? Who does? Um, aye. Uh, look, in terms of transfer rumours, you know, like, we could be on all day. There'll, there'll be more to come. We've got, we've got yeah, the majority... Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I think like Bernabe is rather swift, but he, he's like I said it before. His defending is like a, a dog chasing a crisp packet in the wind. So I, I guess that that kind of probably summarises my my movement. I don't know what do I want a beer, do I want a red wine? I don't know. But I shout <laughs> some vodka. Who knows? Um, not not a complete alcoholic. I'm just enjoying my Friday night. Um, yes. However, however, one thing I will say about Ross. Um, from, from what you were talking about is that the annoying thing is that we're not going to buy a Champions League ready-made player. What we uh-huh. we tend to do, like Matt O'Reilly is probably a perfect example, we buy a project, we build him up, build up his confidence, he expresses himself, and he is becoming almost, almost a European ready-made player for his next club, which is probably the, the annoying thing. But that is a topic for another day, you know. Um, and another thing, by the way, for all the comments here, uh, thank you for, for everybody's contribution. It's been absolutely brilliant tonight. We're not going to wrap it up right now. I am very, very conscious that we've surpassed the two-hour mark. It's normal um, for a Friday, Gav. It's normal uh, for a Friday. I'm actually grateful <laughs> that you guys have not nudged me on the side to say, Gavin, wrap it up. Um, no. What? As I said, I'm drinking beer that. in the spare room, and there's nobody talking to me apart from you about Celtic. It's all good. That's <laughs> <laughs> class. We're, we're going to go on to the, the wee quiz. It's just a 10 question quiz that we've, we've prepared. Ironically, Stephen had um, had given me the comments, uh, the, the, the topics earlier on tonight, and uh, one of the, the, the topics at the bottom was Celtic quiz. And I just assumed that, that, that Stephen had prepared this. I'm like, Stephen, so we've got the quiz tonight. I'm like, thankfully, I can go in the back seat and I can give some questions, you know. And then he says, no, you're doing the quiz tonight. So within <laughs> one hour, I was trying to eat my Chinese takeaway with the wife and we're, we're watching, like, fucking like Miss Rachel on Netflix for the wee one, you know. And it's, I'm trying to think of selfie questions. Um, and it's really... Multitasking, multitasking. I've I've proved myself um, right or wrong. I don't know, but I've managed to do a quiz anyway. Um, it's also going to make a week. Oh yeah, one other thing, um, Stephen. One of the quickfire questions that I asked Ross, which I'd like to get your uh, answer on, is who was your football and childhood hero? Oh, it's easy, Henry Larson. <laughs> There's no one else, Henry Larson. Okay. Uh, I was looking for a better answer. Um, okay. What? <laughs> what? No, I mean, I mean an, an, sorry, an original answer. That's not judgmental. I just mean, aye, that's cliche. Yeah, right, not okay. Gail cliche, right. not oh, Gail cliche, okay. just cliche. Right. A close second to him would probably be Lubo. Right, okay. Okay. Um, was it Zidane for you, Ross? What was your? I went on me. Henri, pardon me, Henri, Henri. Right, okay, right, we're going to do the, Gavin, do any of these questions, give Stephen the opportunity to read the chat. Right, okay. Bobby Pear. John, John, so apparently you're related to Stephen. Would you say that Stephen is an honest man? We've established that he's not a bitter man. Is he an honest man? Is he I'm honest an honest man. Not to look at the comment section. I'll turn it off right now. Off. Off. Ross. Oh, I can see that, eh? When you said you can see, you 
Can you see the comments? Or are you an honest man as well? I can't see anything, but I'm I'm an I'm an honest man. I. <laughs> are you enjoying in yourself? My opinion, are you enjoying yourself? I'm enjoying you? myself. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Right. Okay. So people in the comment section, we're going to ask ten questions. Stephen and Ross are going to write down their answers, and at the end, oh shit, sure. sure. I've not got a pen or that. Two minutes. Amateur. I thought it was quite fire. Amateur. I'm going to do mine on my phone because I'm I don't have a pen or paper or anything. Uh, right. That uh, He's away, gal. Come on, tell me what the crack is. What, what's the crack? No much, mate. No much, man. Any plans for the weekend? <laughs> I mean the quiz, man. That was the crack. Tell me the answers. Come on, let's go. I actually do have the comments off right enough, to be fair. So I'm an honest man. People can't say that. I don't know why people think I cheated. See that Bobby Pett answer in the, in the question of sport? That was fantastic. Biblical, as Anthony would say. I, I was terrible at that, 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 that whole round. Terrible at that, man. What does lockdown, he do? Lockdown, lockdown quizzes were a challenge for me. I'll tell you. Here, our team won. I think that's testament to how we how we function. Yeah. <laughs> you get your paper yet, Ross? Wow. <laughs> oh Jesus! There's the curves going up with the in the glasses and bars and all. Did you say that John is your cousin? Yes. Yeah. What's he saying? Ah, he says, I'm going to do mine on my phone. Google, Stephen's got quick Google fingers. I'm not. I actually have a chat opened, and I'm just going to write it down one by one. So, shove it up, you, the, John. I, I'm a notepad and pen. I had to, like, lift the desk up, because everyone's inside where everyone's sitting, like my pad and all that. <laughs> anyway. Awesome. awesome. We're ready. Yeah. Aye, aye, look, look, it's just 10 questions, man. I'm sorry for the pure protracted drum roll for this one. Right, so you're going to just write down your answer. At the end of the 10 questions, we'll go back and we'll hear. By the way, in the lead up to this, I was wondering, will I be a dick and crank up the, the difficulty level? And I was thinking, look, I could really, really piss you guys off and I won't be invited on for another podcast. So I don't know. I, I think I think it's kind of medium level. I think, I, I think that's fair because I, I don't know. Your Celtic knowledge, not that I'm an authority. I've said that before. But we'll start off. Uh question one. Um let's me let me read my own handwriting. Okay. Can you name the clubs that Brendan Rogers worked for as a first team manager prior to joining Celtic in 2016? Oh, uh, does it have to be an order? No, no, it can be whatever order. As a first team manager, do you say? Yeah, so just to kind of caveat that, he was uh, the youth team manager for Chelsea, I think, back in the day. Uh -huh. That's not a club I'm looking for. So he was the first yep. team manager, the, the senior manager for... And it's just, up the, it's just up the Celtic at the first point? Yes, yes. Right, okay. Okay, okay, you've got a point for every answer. Uh, question two. Andreas Tom represented which international team prior to the reunification of Germany thanks to David Hasselhoff? 
was a wee joke about David Tasselhoff. I never got any smirks there. I hope yeah. <laughs> is he not like a? Is he not the Baywatch guy? Yeah, yeah. However, he was a political activist who single-handedly brought down the Berlin Wall. You should wow. read up. You should read up on your history. Uh, he did actually. Steady on, Gav. Steady on, there. I'm a good history guy. Give me anything. Sorry, pal. Right, okay. Question three. How many years? Okay, now you probably won't get it. So it's a point. If you don't get the correct year, it's who gets to the nearest number? How many? How many years was Willie Maley the manager of Celtic? <sighs> I just farted. Oh my god! Okay, in the planet. Thank fuck he's in the north of Ireland. Right. Hey. Hey, flatulence, flatulence. This is no joking, Mal. Um, it can't travel that far, so we're, we're safe. Uh, question four. What, which English manager sold Oliver Tebley to Celtic and then bought him back in 2002 from Celtic? Jesus Christ. Sold and then bought him back? Yeah, so... Um, ah, fuck it. I know it's going to go this one. So far, I can tell in the comments, there's been 60 comments so far. I can't bring any up. Gavin, are people answering? What's the crack? Are people getting involved? Um, people are having a conversation about Pamela Anderson right now. Uh, I was a big oh, fan. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, I was a big fan. And the running. <laughs> Pamela Anderson was a great act. Um, You're a dick. That's the beauty of it. The beautiful, <laughs> the beautiful people and the running. <laughs> That's a friend's oh, line. Right, that Charlie oh, Joey. Yeah, yeah, it's me Um okay, question five. Who was the first Celtic manager to never have played for Celtic? Oh my fuck. Yeah, confident boy, Ross. Eh, not really, no. <laughs> but a boy, nonetheless. Mm, well, if you wrote it in ink rather than pencil, then I'd imagine you're confident. Okay, question six. Which I'm not. It's okay. Ten questions. Uh who did Celtic sign? Who? Right, okay. Th this is, might be the hardest question. Um. Who did Celtic sign for one hundred thousand pounds in May nineteen eighty three? Now think about it, okay. Two hundred and four appearances, one hundred and twenty six goals. He stayed with us for four years, and then he moved down south. So that's probably the hardest question. Um, who did Celtic sign for hundred grand in May nineteen eighty three? Played for his 204 appearances, 126 goals, and then he left after four seasons. Moved down south. I wasn't even staying on the bed sheets then. Neither. <laughs> Where was that? Huh? 
fuck, I'm fucked. That's quiz is gone. I don't know. Right. Tony will be like that. Answering it all. Then the smoky eyes because he kens it. Do the voice. Do the voice. <laughs> do the voice. Um, Celtic. <laughs> Is that an impression of? Anthony. Uh, uh, our Anthony, not the, the new Anthony. Anthony Dunn? Aye. Yeah. Anthony Dunn, aye. That'd have been easier to say that, aye. <laughs> yeah, it would have been easier. Yeah. Fucked up. Um, okay, so question seven. At the age of nearly 37, name the oldest player to debut for Celtic. You know, this. you know this. You know it? Yeah. I think I've got it. No, you don't. Why, Lam? Yeah, sure. I think I've got it. Okay, question eight. Which player has won the most international caps while playing for Celtic? Which player has won the most international caps while playing for Celtic? Mo Bangura. Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone now. I think about nine caps. Shambles. Was there not two? Was there not two Bangura's? And we sang the wrong one. (laughs) That doesn't surprise me one bit. Also, 167 comments tonight are flooding in. I can't see them, but hopefully you're all getting involved with the quiz. I can't see them. Liar. (laughs) (laughs) How can I... I... Oh, fuck off, Ross. I've never seen it. That that was your catchphrase in the Question of Sport episode, wasn't it? That was, I. I can't see this. Right, okay, question nine. Question nine. Which club... Did John Collins leave Celtic for and he used the Bosman rule to do it? He broke my heart. Yep, broke mine, take it. Rafe Rovers. <laughs> tell everybody now that you've wasted it. See their goalkeeper, did you see our goalkeeper scored a, those are both, their goalkeeper scored an absolute wordly. Right, and final question, question 10, I guess this would be a, a two-pointer. Um, which team did Tommy Burns manage prior to joining Celtic as manager? And also, who was his assistant manager? Oh, my God. Ross is swiftly firing in, locking in the answer. Oh, I forgot the assistant's name. I can see his face. Oh, fuck it. I'm done. That's me completo. Yeah, Anthony Dunn. Can he get his name, man? It's fucking. Anthony Dunn. Name. That's a good one, actually. That's a, a well played. <clears throat> What's his name? Can I put the comments back on there? I'm fin- like, I'm finished. What the hell is his name again? I can see him. Just, just until Ross is. Can I Google it? Because <laughs> I can't get his face. I know his hey, face, I but I can't get his name. He's curly hair, no, that. You can't just write down that face. He Mick knows, Hucknall. he knows I know. Huh? Mick Hucknall. Oh, aye, Mick Hucknall. Oh my Matthew God. Matthew McCannahy. So His name escapes me right now, but I might write it down. 
by the time we've got the answers. No, uh, no, 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 no. If you're done, you're done. No writing more stuff. Uh, down. Oh, God. Oh, oh, Stephen, <laughs> as, as Ross is about to lock in his final answer, what's your favourite movie, non-football related question? Oh my God. Uh, I, I, I do judge people on this, I'm sorry, I do. Uh, uh, well, I, I had one that was nailed down for a number of years. It's chopped and changed now, but I still go with it just because it, it was my number one for so long. And it's a Shawshank Redemption. I knew you were going to say that. Everybody fucking says that. <laughs> remember that, that Lemmy sketch where Lemmy was saying, like, just pretend to people that you've never heard of Shawshank uh, Redemption. <laughs> I've got his name. Mine would be, look, I'm shape of movies and what I've watched. I, I like Inglorious Bastards. Oh, it's a unbelievable movie. movie. Do you like it? Are you taking the piss? Are you no, taking the piss? unbelievable. Oh, I, unbelievable yeah. film. Difficult to go wrong with Tarantino. Difficult to Aye. go wrong with him. It's Aye. such a good film. And the boy, he's in, in a Django Unchained. He is unbelievable in it. Can't mind his name. Oh. <coughs> um, yo, your, your wires across your, your camera, uh, Ross. Just... <laughs> Just excited. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the comments back on. I've not changed anything. I've just looking at them. You can bring up the comments, okay? Uh, just yeah. looking for honesty here. So question one, um, can you name the clubs that Brendan Rodgers worked for as first team manager prior to joining Celtic? Um, Ross, how many have you got? I think I've got, well, I think there's four answers. Okay, and what is your four answers? Watford, Reading, Swansea and Liverpool. Stephen, what do you have? I have Watford, Reading, Swansea and Liverpool. Okay, impressive, yeah. Four apiece? Four apiece. Uh, number two, Andreas Tom represented which international team prior to the reunification of Germany? Uh, Ross... What I went that? East that's Germany. Two, that's two for what? I went West Germany. Is that is there West Germany? Uh, it was the East, the Eastern Mall. Okay. And that that's by the way, see if I could interview one former Celtic player, I would I would want to interview Andreas Tom because for me I find that fascinating. Whenever his team in, in East Germany they travelled abroad for like European games, they would do it with their their uh, their handlers um like the, the kind of the security. Uh, and the, the, I think it was called the Stasi, the Stasi police. Uh, I find that fascinating. And um, just just before the the fall of the of the, the the Soviet Union, whenever the Berlin Wall collapsed, I would love to hear the Andreas Tom about that. But I um, East Germany. Is Let's make answer. that happen. Let's make that happen on this podcast. <laughs> we'll get it done. I'll reach out Pickle to him. Par. <laughs> I would love. I, it. By the way, that would be a good. That would, that would be a good interview. In fact, you know what's really fascinating? Um, one of the people that Andreas Tom played with in that same team, they defected. One time they were playing a European game abroad and he, he managed to escape his handlers in the airport and he, he managed to seek asylum in a European country. And uh, I, I just find that really interesting. Uh, aye, so moving on to question three. 
Um, how many years was Willie Mealy in charge of Celtic? Willie Mealy um, was in charge of Celtic from 1897 until 1940. That is 43 years. So who got closest to that answer? I got 23. I went 24. Oh, I genuinely did. I genuinely no, did. Didn't you land me back? Look. Oh, he did too. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's unbelievable. It was our year between us. So, is that wow. uh, Ross? You would now have four, five, six. You've got six, and Stephen, you've got four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Well, there's plenty of time to claw it back. Um, okay, question four. Which English manager sold Oliver Tedley to Celtic and then back? Uh, Ross, I think you wrote down Neil Warnock. Is that correct? Aye, that's right, aye. Stephen, what do you have? Steve Bruce. Boom, Steve Bruce. What? Well done, Stephen. No, no, genuinely. You're not taking the piss? No, Wow. Okay, okay. <laughs> that, by the way, that's a brilliant answer. I'd no clue. I was between Warnock and Dave Jones. I um uh, Steve Bruce, he was a manager of Sheffield United when he he, he pulled <laughs> off that master stroke of getting rid of Oliver Tebley. Um but uh, whenever he was in charge of Birmingham, I don't know, shit went bad and we had to bring him back. Um okay, question five. Who was the first Celtic manager? <laughs> To never have played for Celtic, Stephen, you looked as if that that one shook you. What was your answer to that? Well, me answer. And he was a manager who never played for Celtic, of course. But Ross, what have you got? I went Jock Steen. Uh, Jock Steen used to be the captain of Celtic, so no. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Liam Brady. Liam Brady, nineteen ninety-one. Oh. Wow. Okay. By the way, so, I, I'm not just I'm not just saying this, but I was between Jock Steen and Liam Brady. <laughs> but there you go, eh? Jock Steen was the captain. What an idea. <laughs> At least my Tony will be, Tony will be rolling <laughs> about in his bed. <laughs> Do his voice yeah. again. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> By the way, uh, congratulations to Paul McFarlane. He said 43 years for uh, Willie Mealy. Uh, Fantastic, fantastic for that. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to question six. Who did Celtic sign for 100 grand in May 1983? 204 appearances, 126 goals, and he left after four seasons. Now, if, um, if, if I think I'm right, I think he went into Man U. I saw a lot oh. of right answers oh. in the comments. What have you got? I went uh, for Frank McAvenny. So did I. Okay, Brian McClure. Uh, Fuck off, bastard. Interestingly <laughs> enough, um, you might hear this. I was actually tempted to throw this one in. Frank McIverney played for both Celtic, West Ham and St Mirren twice for each club. That's a, a future well, trivia for you. Um, you knew so we were going to guess Frank McIverney, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you fucking did. He did, didn't he? He did, aye. Aye, he did. Aye. <laughs> I didn't know the level of expertise I was I was dealing with tonight. Yes, I'm doing very well. I think um, Ross, you're on wow. six. Wow. <laughs> Stephen's on five. Stephen, you're on five. Okay. Um, okay. Question Quotes. seven. At the age of nearly thirty-seven, name the oldest player to debut for Celtic and also feature in Holmes under the hammer. Dion Dublin. Dion Dublin. And was that your original answer before I threw in the Holmes under the hammer? 
by the way, I, I, I was oh, going to say, I didn't hear you saying <laughs> Holmes under the hammer the first time. I, I just went with Dion Double. Okay, so Ross, you're now on seven. Stephen, you're now on six. And Stephen, I think you've got the next couple of answers correct as well. So question eight, which player has won the most international caps while playing for Celtic? Ross, what have you got? I went Larson. Uh, Stephen, what do you have? Pat Bonner. Stephen is correct. Pat Bonner. Well done. I, I think the correct answer is Pat Bonner won a shitload of caps. So one now, or even pardon me for the pun, even Stevens. Oh, fuck. I've won it in the last one. I know of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, run with it. Quick question nine: Which club did John Collins leave Celtic for? And he used the Bosman rule. Ross, what have you got? Monaco. Monaco. And Stephen, you had the Monaco. Yeah. Okay, we're on eight, eight, and the final question of the night. Um, <laughs> which team did Tommy? This is a two-pointer, so this this is a, a, a big one. Which team did Tommy Burns manage prior to Celtic, and who was his assistant manager? Stephen, what is your answer? I went for Kilmarnock and his assistant Eric Black. Eric Black. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Well, that would be one point. Um, what have you got? I went with Marnock and Billy Stark. Oh! You you deliberately you deliberated in that so much that so you got Billy Stark at the very end, yeah? That color. Uh, funny that. Uh, funny that, isn't it? Funny. Oh, no, yeah. you seen me. I did not laugh my phone once. Here. One of <laughs> Willie, Anthony, Franny could have texted you on the sly. Do not lie. Oh, come on, man. They don't even <laughs> like me. <laughs> <laughs> That was brilliant. That was brilliant. I'm glad. I'm glad it was on a knife edge right until the end. Wow, well, that was a really good quiz. That, that was good. That was good. I enjoyed that. Um, aye. Well done. Well done, guys. Uh, ten nine in the end, and uh, well done to everybody in the comments who got it right. Um, some people wrong, some people right. Aye. I think we have to be said by Corbin. Ross is cheating. Ross is right. cheating. <laughs> Uh, Stephen, I've really enjoyed tonight. I'm not wrapping up right now. I, can't, I think I'll kind of hand it over to you, but we've been through a lot. We've got January coming up, so why don't you explain to the viewers what's in store from uh, from our podcast uh, for this January um, no man land? Well, as you said, it's the winter break coming up, no man's land. So as a podcast until the end of the winter break with Celtic are <coughs> back against Bucky Thistle, we plan to do still two podcasts a week, but with a difference. One podcast a week will be a spin-off. So we're bringing back the spin-off series, like the Worst Kits, the Nopes 11, the Popes 11, things like that. A wee bit of fun to get involved with, much like this Friday night. We've had a couple of beers and had a chat. And the other podcast will be focused, obviously, on transfer rumours and the latest Celtic news. So that will take us through the winter break and then after the winter break with some exciting new things to announce. But we'll get to that when the winter break is over. Mm. Okay, we're not amalgamating with another podcast at the end of the winter break. No, no spices like that. No, <laughs> no, no, no. The jungle gems are on board. No, no one else is coming on. Jed's on. We're all looking forward to a new year. Awesome, awesome. Um, ask Gavin what did liquidation feel like. Um, that's <laughs> went way, way over my head. <laughs> that, that, that went over my head more than the fucking cow thing earlier. Cow thing. <laughs> 
Yeah. I, I'm not even going to explain that. I, I... <laughs> no, don't. That, that, not not <laughs> live on air. <laughs> <laughs> Some things are best left a mystery. Yep. Yep. Um, anyway, right. Okay. So, what's the day today? Is Friday. So we're back on in Monday then, Steve and I. Back on Monday. We're back on Monday at half eight. It might be a spin-off on Monday and a normal podcast on Friday. So it's something to look forward to um, to get involved with. And we're still going to stick to the two podcasts a week. And as I said before, look, Happy New Year to everybody who's joined in. Happy New Year to everybody. Hope it all goes well for people who's watching and everyone else and their families and friends and everyone connected with people. And look, we're looking forward to a new year at the end of the sales podcast. Plenty of new changes coming. The Jungle Gems, Jed Thomas, and plenty of things are coming in the future. So we're, we're looking forward to it. And I think... To be fair, Gav, is that you all wrapped up? Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to try and do that. Do you remember the Jerry Springer's episodes back in the 90s when at the end of it, I brought the fighting and throwing of the chairs, it would then summarise by saying, you know, I've learned something today. I don't know. I, I don't think I've learned anything today, but I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed that. That's I, I, so I don't really have an outro as such. So you can take it away from here, Stephen. But yes, as far as I'm concerned, my work is done, yes. And Ross, yourself, have you enjoyed it? I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Honestly, it's been absolutely brilliant. It's two and a half hours, probably more. But Gavin, I never doubted you, but for your first stint hosting on the Endless Sales podcast, it has absolute, absolutely been outstanding. Honestly, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. You've been superb, mate. And I've, listen, not only the chat about Celtic, but the wee sort of side shows, the the getting to know us with the quick fire and then the quiz at the end. It's been superb and I've got a lot to live up to now and I'm going to try my best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. That That's really kind. No, I genuinely, genuinely appreciate that. One thing I would say is since joining the podcast with it, Bones woke up your arses, you have been extremely, extremely welcoming, very, very friendly. You've got great, great banter amongst yourselves and we're just happy to be a part of that. And that that's the other thing. We already said that Whenever we kind of knew that the Jungle Gyms was kind of petering out, it was that enthusiasm that you need to really, whenever people are watching it, if, if you don't see the enthusiasm on a podcast, then that, that's very, very visible. The viewers can see that. And I think that we've kind of regained that by um, mixing with a bigger crowd, um, getting to Absolutely. know new people. We're really, really enjoying it. So, so far, it's been brilliant. So thank you for, um, for everything I and also as well, a big happy birthday to Joseph Agnew, who turned 67 today. So thanks for watching and thanks for taking part in everything. And until Monday, again, we'll be back in, <coughs> at half eight, probably with a spin-off. That will be announced during the weekend. To everybody who watched, everyone who took part, and everyone who's going to catch up, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.